So, guys, Josh Brolin and Caitlin Deaver for The Last of Us HBO television show. Send it. Cast them. Film All it right, however you can. All right, there'll be at the end of the episode. At um, the end. I hope everyone was here to, to, to hear it at the beginning. Champs lunch! Champs lunch! Hey. What's up, buddy? Hey, hey, look. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Chance Lunch, a Schmodown podcast from the hosts of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. And to, on today's show, we are going to be going through all of the action from June 2020. It's been a busy month with Intergeekdom and Star Wars tournament action, and we have a lot of matches um, and, and a lot of big swings in the standings to talk about. So uh, before we do that, Scott, how are you? Doing well, Scott. The week is over. We've been talking a lot yeah. uh, off air about how long this week has been for me. So couldn't be happier to be sitting here having just watched the, the latest match, of course, with you and then going straight into talking about the showdown. It's uh, It's been a long couple weeks, probably on, on the project that I've been working on just at, at work. It's been very busy. And uh, thankfully, I have all of next week off taking, taking some vacation. And uh, I consider this the start of it. So starting my vacation right here, right now. Just for everyone listening, cracking a beer. It's going to be a good week. We're honored that you would think of us in that way as part of your vacation. So uh, hopefully hopefully this won't be the best part of your vacation, but uh, we'll try to make it a, a pretty good one, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah. so the past couple episodes we've had guests, Scott, um, and we, we talked to a couple of people this week, uh, but it just seemed like this was a bad week from scheduling purposes. So we, we do have a couple of people lined up for the future, but it's just going to be us two uh, bozos tonight. Um, but we have plenty of, of matches to talk about, so uh, don't think we'll have trouble filling the time. So why don't we just get right into it, Scott? Um, we'll, we'll wait a little bit to talk about the, the Paul versus Chance match, which happened today, uh, just because I know some people may not have seen it yet. Um, yeah. But let's let's talk about some of the other inner geekdom tournament action. Um, and, you know, while we're on this week, uh, let's talk about earlier this week. Uh, when we had the Dungeons Eric Zipper going up against the usual suspects, Emily, or sorry, the Finstock Exchanges, uh, Emily Rose Jacobson. You can with the match. usual suspects because the usual suspects like to lose. So. Yeah, um, which is the opposite of what uh, the, the Finstock Exchange likes to do. But uh, Scott, this match, I guess, kind of went how we thought it was going to. I mean, it definitely ended with the result that we thought it was going to with, with Eric Zipper winning. And I think I, I think we've probably seen the last of Emily Rose Jacobson. And I mean, if you have to point to one thing about her, her career that has been the problem, I think we saw it in this match. She doesn't really have a strength. Um, and, and it's hard to succeed in this division when you don't necessarily have a strength. Uh, we saw in her last match, right, against Alex Damon, she, she got spinner's choice. Um, Alex got opponents. Um, and, it didn't work out for her. She went with Star Trek and Alex was able to get a steal or two. Same type of thing happened here. She, she, you know, acted as if, um, you know, she felt more confident with what she was going to go with, with spinner. I don't know. I'm sure she did feel more confident, like behind the scenes. It, it did seem like she and Gucci had, had discussed the plan, especially after things had gone badly against Damon. 
but she went with MCU and it didn't go well for her. Um, Scott, and you know, she came out of round one, I believe, with only four points, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, that is correct. And, and let's be honest here, like the, the round ones have not been super tough in the in this tournament so far. I mean, I, uh, even I, who I don't, I don't know geek stuff. I don't play in geek in any of the, the fan leagues um, or, or anything like that. Um, and yet I, you know, I, I can get, usually get like five or six points in these round ones just because the questions are pretty, pretty surface level. But yeah, it, I, I it's do tough. Think that this that this round one was a little bit harder than some of the others. Mm -hmm. And I think that was evidenced by Zipper, who we can, we'll talk more about Zipper in a second. But he, I mean, he got eight points. And I think that it was a little bit harder of a round one. But yeah, I think four points in round one is not going to get the job done ever. I mean, may maybe it's a little too harsh to say that four points in round one reminded me a little bit of her debut match. Uh, ironically, though, she did she did win that match um, against Winston Marshall. But yeah, it was a it was a really tough start. And then I think the point you were getting around to here is that got Spinner's choice again. Knew that she wanted to take MCU, no question, and still didn't really do that well. And, and I and I wonder if it's just something about maybe the way she's studying or the way she's preparing and just not keen into the details that are the details that typically get asked about. And, and I think that to Leo's point, which, you know, you did flash up on the screen here that, you know, Leo's saying with two losses for, for Emily Jacobson in, in a row, her season's over. I certainly agree and, and might not come back to the exchange next year. I think that that is a maybe broader question about whether she'd come back to the exchange. I certainly don't think she'd be a protected player in the exchange and you know whether you pick her up later in the draft who, who knows right like i don't know if any if any other team would protect her either based on based on her performances this year but i, I certainly think that uh moving forward even you know leaving barbarian aside i think that you know i and i guess you you also have dan who is going to enter inner geekdom so it gets a little bit complicated but i certainly think that that bobby gucci and the fence exchange would probably be looking to level up that particular spot in the roster when it comes to inner geekdom for next year or um the opposite because could be true that you just really double down maybe on emily rose jacobson and spend a year trying to get her to the next level and a lot of that is just is going to have to do with her commitment and there's nothing wrong with not being committed at that level that's totally okay but i think it's understanding where the schmodown is at this point in time and understanding where your capabilities are and are you able to or are you willing to uh, commit that time and, and if you don't that's okay i mean look like i wouldn't if i were in her shoes i i wouldn't uh commit that time because it takes a lot at this point to get up to that level but i think that we've seen fairly consistently now that she's not quite at the level where you need to be to be competitive uh, in in especially in a tournament environment but also uh just in general at, at the high level of, of the showdown and, and there's no fault in that there are plenty of competitors that are quite fun to watch who aren't at that level but if if the role is is to be in that position and, and and win points in a tournament in that way, then they'll probably be looking for looking elsewhere to to generate those those types of points in the future. Yeah, because I mean, let's just look at this season. The Fifth Stock Exchange have really not lost, other than Emily Rose Jacobson, um, yeah. and so she's hurting the brand right now. She, which <laughs> seems to be like something that that Bobby Gucci, you know, he, is very important to him, right? Protecting the the Finstock name, protecting the Finstock brand, and you yeah. know, the, all they've done is win, even with the new people that they brought in, like Andrew Demolante and Barbarian. Uh, the Barbarian. Um, they they just continued the the steamroller that has been uh, the Finstock Exchange. 
and Emily has been a, a little bit of a blip on the radar there. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if if the Finstock Exchange says you know you know kind of puts her out the pasture and tries to find maybe another uh, maybe a better like second backup intergeekdom player because I think they do have someone solid at the top with with the Barbarian and maybe they'll have a strong second player like you said with with Dan Merle like you would think because it's Dan Merle. Um, yeah, I mean it, when it, he it, does uh, decide to. Yeah, if, if things have been different this year, I think that that's if there had been a, a, a you know a, a intergeekdom tournament with eighteen people like we see here, I think you would have seen Dan Merle in that tournament. Right? That's what he was preparing for. Maybe not the tournament, but he was preparing to enter the intergeekdom division, and I think you would have seen that. And if they want another intergeekdom player in the future, I, I do think they'll look elsewhere, or they'll look to train up someone on the roster already, like Sabrina. Um, might be someone who they, they might think about. I don't know what she's, I don't know that much about her. I mean, you would know about her more than I just because you listen to SEN more, but I, I I don't know whether she's interested in playing Intergeekdom, but I know she's good friends with, with Ben Goddard, and I know Ben Goddard has been doing pretty well in Intergeekdom too. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if she went into Intergeekdom, just it doesn't seem like that's exactly her taste in movies, but yeah. you know. Yeah. It didn't seem like it was Paul Yama's taste either, um, but he he ended up playing in a match today. He you know he did lose, but um, well, you but didn't he that played pretty well. About it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, uh, people know what they're getting here. Um, but yeah, so so Eric Zipper wins. Maybe buried the lead a little bit there by talking about the loser, but um, he played a pretty good match, Scott. Um, eight points in round one, um, and then eight points in round two, and then getting the TKO in, in round three. I think he has improved as an intergeekdom player. You know, last time we were having trouble remembering that he had played in intergeekdom matches. I had forgotten that he played in the original intergeekdom tournament. <laughs> he played multiple matches in that tournament. Yeah, I'd forgotten. Yeah, um, he got crushed by Rachel in the second round, though. Right. Um, which like, you know, fair, fair. like who, yeah. who isn't gonna get crushed by her. But um but yeah, so he, he played he played a solid match. Um and he's going to be facing Alex Damon next, I believe. Is that correct? Uh, no, it, Brandon Hand is facing Alex Damon. No, um, he's gonna play Mike or Greg Alba. Yeah, right. Um like I don't know, I don't think he can beat I don't think he's gonna beat Mike. Like but what Mike are we gonna get though? Yeah, it, exactly. We we haven't seen Mike play all year in in inner geekdom. Um, obviously he did have a team's match, but, um, but, uh, you know, I, you'd expect good things because it's Mike, but who knows? Um, look, if, Ch yeah, if so, Chance so, play is any barometer for what Mike's play is going to be like, if they're all training together and, and everything, yeah. then I think Mike's going to be back. And I, and I would expect nothing less from Mike, but just to talk about Zipper's performance here, obviously it was much hyped about his coming back, uh, into the, into the inner geekdom, division training in the dungeon with Smets, with Parker, you know, with, uh, you know, with the whole faction there and Adam Witt as well, I'm sure as a part of that with, from the Star Wars perspective. And I think that for the most part, the hype paid off. I think may maybe you would have expected like a perfect round one just because of how much it was hyped. But I think eight points in round one was solid. He got eight, you know, four of the five questions in round two, to your point, he got one of the steals or the only steal on MC. I can't, I can't remember how many steals were on the table uh, in steal. that match. He got two steals. No, he got he got both steals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he got both. He got both of the MCU steals. So he didn't miss that many. I mean, he missed the two questions in round one and, and one of his oh, round yeah. and one of his round two questions. It's a solid performance. It's not going to get him past Mike if Mike performs at the level we expect him to, probably. But I think he's going to be competitive. Whereas a year ago, I don't know if we would have said Zipper would have even been competitive with with Mike or or with the top tier of Intergeekdom 
he has more to prove to show that he's a, a true part of that top tier. But I think he's he's so far demonstrated that he's he's going that direction. He's trending that direction, uh, trending upwards. And if he takes it to the next level in the second round against Mike uh, or Greg, we don't know who's, who. Obviously, we don't know who's going to win that match. Maybe, maybe Greg pulls out the upset. Who knows? But if he continues to trend that direction, then you know, good good things to come. And I, I'm glad to see that he has improved. You know, so so much. You know, since the last time we saw him in interview. Though. Yeah, I mean, it's good for the dungeon as well, too, because like we knew we could, coming in, we knew they're going to pick up points with Robert Parker. We know that they're going to get some points no matter whether Parker comes out of this tournament in the end or not in a title match because they have Kevin Smets as well. Yeah. Um, but having another inner geekdom player right there um, may, maybe just sort of furthers Kaiser's idea that, hey, maybe going all in on one division is – you know, is is a good tactic and is going to be able to move them up the standings. I mean, I think definitely they're going to they're going to start leapfrogging some people here. Um, you know, pretty soon. You know, like the usual suspects and um, the rock stars. I mean, the rock stars still do have Damon uh, involved, but um, but yeah, you, you would expect them to be moving up into probably the top half uh, of the of the standings at least pretty soon uh, with, with Parker's match coming up next week, I believe. Um, yeah, and, and to your point here is that not only did Eric Zipper get the win, and I, don't, I can't remember if we even said this yet, but it was by TKO, TKO here. So getting the extra point, I mean, that's four points, right? Going all in on Eric Geekdom lets you do that. And Zipper just won the equivalent of two singles tournament, like singles tournament wins right there in one match. So even if he doesn't beat Mike Kalinowski or Greg Alba in the next round, he's collected four points in the tournament, which is probably more than other people in the dungeon are going to be collecting in the singles tournament, to be frank. I um, mean, we'll see. It's a big tournament. We, we don't know what the round one matches are going to necessarily look like. But four points is, is very meaningful. And to your point, I mean, for all we know, Robert Parker is going to KO every single person he plays. Uh, probably probably not just because the quality and, and level is so high at this point in the inner geekdom. But uh, you, the, to your point, the dungeon here can wrap up, rack up, I don't know, 12 more points probably in this tournament still and, and get all, find themselves all, all of a sudden like, only a handful or two points behind the Finstock exchange. So yeah, I think you're going to see them catapult up the rankings. And a lot of that is going to be due to the fact that it's Robert Parker, of course, but also Zipper's higher quality. So credit where credit's due. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and, and Scott, I mentioned uh, one of the factions that the the dungeon will probably pass is the usual suspects. And that's because They've already passed both the of their... Suspects. But yeah. Okay. Well, it, regardless, one of both of the usual suspects players are now out of the Intergeekdom tournament uh, in the first round. One of those, uh, of course, was Janine the Machine, who went up against uh, John Humphrey. Scott, this was a match that we really didn't know exactly how to predict because um, yeah. both of them had never played an Intergeekdom before. We just didn't even have a good basis of knowledge about what what these guys might know um, uh, about the Intergeekdom you know, subjects. Um, and I think in the case of John Humphrey, what we saw is he actually knows quite a bit and, and could be a, a little bit of a sleeper. Now he is going to be going up against the barbarian again, there, there's really no easy opponents in the second round of this thing. Um, but, uh, you know, the barbarian being another rookie, maybe, maybe that's a better matchup for Humphrey than, uh, you know, than going up against, uh, a, Parker, I mean, obviously, who is a rookie as well, in some sense, but um, or or a Kalinowski or somebody like that. Um, but he showed off uh, a lot of uh, strengths here, 
particularly in Wizarding World, right? He, his round two was where he really put some distance between uh, him and Janine. Well, he had a perfect round two with 10 points, uh, which really helped him out because he was struggling in in round, or he was behind after round one, um, after picking up only seven points. And in fact, he missed, uh, didn't he miss the Wizarding World question in round one, I believe? Um, yeah, I was a little surprised, I think, I was surprised he took Wizarding World because he missed a yeah, question. We were, we were a little unsure about how he was going to do. And then he he ran through these questions in impressive fashion. And then Janine getting DCEU and, and feeling somewhat comfortable about it, it seemed, but uh, then re really struggling to, to pick up some points here. And then and coming back to bite her again in round three um, on her five point question, she just couldn't seem to to get away from from that topic. Um, and you know she she's been on a tough run here, and it, it continues um, as John was able to pick up the victory. Um, she did avoid the TKO, um, so the quirky marks only getting two points for this win. Um, but um, yeah, three, she, three she, she can, they got three points. Three three points. I'm sorry, uh, but she continues. Uh, to struggle here. And, and, you know, DCEU is one of those categories, right? It's a limited number of movies. Um, it, it seems like it would be probably one of the easier ones to study. I mean, I don't know how deep the cuts are going on, on this thing because I don't really mm -hmm. enjoy these. I don't, yeah, I don't really enjoy these movies. So they all seem pretty hard to me. But, um, but yeah, you know, like I said, it seems like one that would be a, a little easier to study. But yeah, maybe she just had had bad luck like Leo is suggesting here. And uh, maybe she just uh, just got some really deep questions, got some information that she didn't know. It's tough to see her go on a streak, uh, a losing streak like this, because I still feel like she is uh, a better player maybe than her record suggests. But uh, again, at some point you got to get over that hill. Um, and I don't think she she's quite gotten there yet. Um, and Maybe the singles tournament, right? We're, we're, we're going to mention the singles tournament here maybe uh, a, a little bit later. Maybe if uh, if the uh, usual suspects are deciding who they want to put out there for uh, the, the singles tournament, maybe Janine is someone they, they would consider just because I think, uh, again, like I said, her record isn't uh, maybe indicative of what she can do. And maybe she can be a little bit of a sleeper um, in the singles tournament, but she's out of the inner geekdom tournament and uh, another loss for, for Sam and the usual suspects. Yeah, I think a uh, look, I'll get to Janine in a second. I, I will say that I don't know how much we saw from John Humphreys really. And he got seven points in round one. That's good. Not great. Then he got a, he certainly got a strength and like he clearly got a strength in wizarding world and he knocked it out of the park, 10 points. Um, and that's the, that's the, you know, part of the game, right? Like you're in round two, you're answering questions in one category, right? Like if, if that category works for you, you're, you're golden. If it's DCEU for Janine, you're less golden and you get end up with four points in round two. And I think that one of the things that we've seen consistently, and, and I do think that it's still true, right? Like in this case is that. Janine got really unlucky in the grand scheme of the match and John Humphrey got lucky. Sometimes that's what it takes takes to win, um, and especially in, you know, tight margins like the Inner Geekdom and the Star Wars tournaments too, right? Like you, you're playing with tight margins and you gotta, and you gotta get it and you gotta get, and you need, but you do need to get the job done to your point. And I think what the, the hard thing to come to terms with is like, all right, we've, we say this a lot about Janine is she gets unlucky. You know, she just doesn't quite get the right category in round two or gets a particularly tough five point question in round three. And I do still think that that is true every single time we talk about it. But at one point, at what point are you able to overcome luck as being like a barrier to you winning matches? 
Um, and I think that's that's the point that Janine hasn't been able to find. I, and I think it gets harder every single year. I mean, she's been in the league now for this is her third season. And the competition has gotten harder and harder each season. So even though I think she is also improving over time, she's still getting up that curve. She isn't necessarily progressing faster than the league is, if that makes sense. And so if you if she rewound two years and had the knowledge she had now, then she'd be ahead of that curve, right? But she's instead just growing with the curve and luck is still you know, thwarting her in these situations where she's probably better than her opponent, but there was there was it was within the margin of, of error, right? For luck to to have the effect on the match. And it has the effect on the match. And so I think that's like the dissonance or like the point of dissonance that we've reached with like a couple different competitors. And I think Janine is one of them around what is it going to take for this particular competitor to get ahead of the curve of the, of the league? How does this person become better than, you know, better than other, other, like what we might call like average competitors to, to such a degree where, where they're going to be winning all of those matches and not necessarily winning all the ones, except for the ones where you got unlucky. Cause she has been gotten, she has gotten unlucky a lot. And so I, I don't necessarily think that John Humphreys outplayed her. I, I think that he did get lucky, right? I think that she may or may not have known more than him just based on round one. She knew more than him, but I, I find it interesting that like at, at what point um, I, I like, I guess so to start with, I don't think Janine will stop getting opportunities to play. I think she's just such, such a strong personality in the league and such a likable competitor in the Shimoda. That's not going to, not going to stop. And I just wonder in this situation, is like is Sam Levine the right manager for her? I mean, one of the I think the really interesting things about Sam is that because he was such a you know famous and distinguished and legendary competitor competitor himself in the Schmodown, I think he's like very set in his ways about how to do things uh, in the Schmodown. And I think there was some discussion I can't remember which which show it was that I was watching whether it was backstage or maybe it was the rundown about just like how like ingrained the notion that he must defer like his players and he must defer in round two which in his time and, and arguably probably in singles play that's almost always the right move is, is it the right move in a concentrated division like inner geekdom or star wars where the competitors like like it's really important that you get certain categories on the wheel unless you're yeah. the, unless unless you're robert parker or unless you're kevin smith's and i don't know if wizarding world for example was a strength of Janina. I think that it is. I, I don't I know. I think that, that it is too, yeah. But if she spins first, does she get Wizarding World? Maybe she doesn't go five out of five perfect like Humphreys does, but that's off the off the wheel for him now. And so I think that although Sam is an, an, a very much a money ball type manager to try to really think his way through things, I wonder if his own individual perspective in the, in the Schmodown and how he did things when he was a player in singles and teams isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily translate to Intergeekdom or Star Wars. And I don't know that I'm like the most confident in that perspective. I just think it's an interesting argument that I heard laid out that I agree with in part because he does seem very stubborn about, especially about the spinnings deferring when you when you have the lead in round two. And I think that in Intergeekdom and Star Wars, there it has been it has become more clear, especially again when you're not when you're not the when you don't know every single category on the wheel, that it has it is quite valuable to spin first, especially if you have very particular strengths that are always going to be on the wheel. And I think that I, I wonder if this experience, both with this match and also with Jen Kemp, um, as well as his time in the Star Wars tournament with Molly Damon, although I think it matters less in that in that in that in that instance, whether it might lead him to to rethink that strategy or if he will, you know, stay 
uh, you know, stubborn about that, which is his right to do since he is like one of the best players in the showdown of all time. But it's interesting. I think it's interesting food for thought. I think that Janine, just to go back to the match, um, it was a solid performance by John Humphreys. I certainly would not expect him uh, to beat the Barbarian, even even if he were to get as lucky as he did with his categories in round two in, in that match. And Janine, again, like so close to getting that breakthrough, I feel like, but just not able to do it for you know one one reason or another, always seeming to rear to rear its head. And yeah, I think the singles tournament will be a good opportunity for her because it's such a large tournament. Like when we've seen her in the singles tournament in the past, it's often been rather small tournaments. Like I, I remember specifically a couple of years ago when she was in the gauntlet, I think she was one of the players in the gauntlet with Ben Bateman and, and Lon Harris, I think. I can't remember. Um, but I think I think she was in that. And or maybe not. I, I could just that up. But I think the point is like in singles tournaments past, like the league is so competitive that even at a 16 player tournament, there's no easy round ones at all, period. But in a you know bracket that's twice that big with 32 people, I think that you're able to build up a little bit more momentum. And I know that there I don't think she'd end up at a play in, so I'm not counting the 36 there. Um, but yeah, I think it yeah, allowed to build a little momentum. And and her record is like two and five or two and four at this point. So she might get a lower seed too. But yeah. I think she'll Ryan, a lower seed, yeah. Ryan's saying that she could she would be fantastic in the singles tournament. And that's the thing. I think she could be. And I keep and I, I go back to this and um someone can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but a, a while ago there was that exhibition match that was like who's in the, the who's in the studio match. I don't know if you ever watched yeah. that Scott, but I did yeah. Uh Janine I believe won that match and it included like uh Kalinowski was in there I think uh like Andrako maybe and uh I think Brianne was in there like there there were some pretty high quality players and and Janine came out on top so I keep going back to that in my head as far as um thinking that hey this is what she could be as a singles player she's just gotta like get it get it out there in a match that actually counts for something but yeah regardless Scott, you mentioned the usual suspect's other player there, and that was uh, Jen Kemp, who was also defeated. Um, uh, she fell uh, to Alex Damon, right? Uh, Jen, we kind of maybe had a little bit higher expectations for, despite not having played a match, because she did come from the fan leagues. We know what people from the fan leagues can do. But she got a really tough match up here with Alex Damon, right? And, and yeah. Jen, Jen, you know, kind of like Janine, she played played a pretty solid match. She had the lead after round one. She didn't do poorly, certainly in round two with her with her Wizarding World questions. Um, but Alex, um, the the guy is just a beast. And you know, we've talked before about how, you know, we, we kind of have kept saying all this time about yeah, he he's really good in Star Trek too. And that was kind of based off of like something I vaguely remembered about one time they're going to be like a Star Trek match. And I thought that maybe he was going to be in it or something, but um, yeah, there we go. Leo. Uh, so yeah, I was, I was right. And Draco Kalinowski and Brienne were also in that match, but, um, but there was going to be a Star Trek match. I think and Damon was going to be in it. Maybe I just um, invented that, but, um, but so we, we've been saying that, you know, he showed a little bit of, of Star Trek knowledge in that match against Emily when he had a steal or two, but then he comes out in this match, right? The Star Trek question in round one, DeForest Kelly, I mean, a, a true one-point Star Trek question, and he he completely whiffs on it. And I, at that point, I thought, oh, well, um, you know, maybe I was wrong about this all along. Well, I wasn't wrong about this, because then he gets Star Trek in round two, he runs through it, um, you know, t 10 points. And I will say, like, to, to my memory, there were maybe, like, three of the questions that were 
a little bit more surface level than you would expect from round two. Like I think there was a director question, maybe uh, um, which, which uh, entry in the franchise or what year did this come out? Or, you know, you know, more, more of like a stats question than like a, a plot detail question. But nevertheless, very impressive. He got all of his questions on two points. Um, and Jen just wasn't able to able to keep up after that. Right. Like she again, she had a solid second round. Um, she avoided the TKO. Uh, in in round three, um, but you know the the match ended up with the same score as the Janine John Humphrey match, um, twenty to eighteen, with uh, Alex Damon, the true savior of the rock stars, right? Like the the rock stars would you mean be the nothing whole action if, on his back, <laughs> if not for for what Alex Damon has done this year. And yeah, in the end, I think Damon showed that he he's here to stay. And I, you know, I picked him to go to the finals of this tournament, and I didn't see anything in this match really to suggest that he can't still do that. So seven um, points in round one. Yeah. But you know, like, like you said, like the round one's very in difficulty. Uh, I, I still think that he's a beast and that uh, he, he's going to be a tough out uh, no, no matter uh, who he faces next and, and who he faces next is going to be Brandon Hanna. And, and what I think might be the, the showcase match of round two, like that's, that's going to be a, a really, really good match. I think. Well, um, I think chance versus and, Parker could be a really good match. If that's what maybe, we get. Yeah. If, if that's what we get. I mean, who knows what we'll end up getting, but yeah, Parker still has to win. But yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah. Scott. D- Damon, good match, right? Like I was, I was a little, I was a little worried after his round one because he did only get seven points missing DeForest Kelly. I think I was like, well, this isn't really going how I expected it to. Could Jen Kemp really pull something like this off? And then, right, Damon stepping it up in round two, we were, I was, I shared your your nerves about him doing Star Trek after his round one uh, question that he, that he whiffed on. But then, yeah, g- getting all 10 points and then getting the steal opportunity off of Jen Kemp from the Wizarding World as well. So I think proving that he's got some strengths in a lot of places, Star Trek, Star Wars, certainly Middle Earth, maybe Wizarding World as well. I think that's what, is that the category he did in Atlanta as well? I can't, I can't remember. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, but yeah. So I think he's, he's showing that he has a few categories built out. And I mean, I don't know how much this is kind of uh, oh, winking and nodding towards people to try to, I don't know if it's misdirection or what it might be, but saying that he hasn't actually got one of his strengths yet. Um, cause he hasn't got middle earth or, or, or Star, Wars. Star Wars probably in, in, in round two, but I think he probably has a few other things that he's working on. But again, like I, I actually, I, I shouldn't say again, but I think Alex Damon is like one of those, cre- one of those guys in, in inner geekdom specifically that like you want to kill him like as quickly as possible before he has enough time to like build up this wealth of inner geekdom knowledge that will be equivalent to his wealth of Star Wars knowledge. So, you know, there's there's probably some meta commentary about comic book movies there because there are a few villains. He has there. one of those brains, yeah. Yeah, I think Doomsday is one of those villains. I can't remember all the other ones that like, the longer they exist in the world, the stronger they get. So you have to kill them early. And I think uh, I think it's one of those things, if he, if he gets past Brandon Hanna, I can see, you know, your reality, like your bracket coming to fruition. I could see him him winning but right now i think like it always is right you have to win your next match but brandon hannah is probably like the world's best hope to like stop alex damon before he makes it all the way but uh mike kanowski could be to be fair to mike he could be that way too is like if he gets uh you know some momentum going and gets ahead of steam up here in the in this tournament he could he could get back up to to you know his, his peak form from you know about a year ago so we'll see speaking of a year ago it's like when that's when collision was so when he when he beats Mets, so 
it's also a mindset thing i feel like for damon too like he hasn't lost a match in two years probably right so so when he comes out there every single time if you don't count the exhibitions he comes out there every single time he thinks he's going to win right and i mean he he has that confidence to where um he just feels like he's going to win every single time he goes out there and he keeps winning and so it keeps feeding that mindset and and you go up against someone like jen kemp right who playing her first match maybe she wasn't as comfortable with inner geekdom as she is with general movies um I, i think that's that's a definite advantage there that that he he has that steeliness, but um, yeah, he's cold blooded. Yeah. Guy shows no emotion. Yes, yes. R- Ryan making a point there about strategy is maybe what it takes to beat the the really top tier inner geekdom players. And with that point in mind, Scott, why don't we just go to, to today's match since we've already sort of spoiled the winner? Because I think strategy did play a, a, a big role in why Chance Ellison was able to defeat. Paul Oyama um, in, in, again, the Battle of the Fan Leaguers here, the rematch from their singles match. Um, and, you know, we saw, a, you know, a barn burner of a round one, right? 11 points for, from both uh, competitors, neither one really blinking. Uh, but as as we see so often in matches, the, the wheel really decided this match. Um, and specifically, Paul spinning opponent's choice and I should say Paul spinning opponent's choice when he was in a pretty good position, right? Chance had to go to multiple. A couple times Paul actually had one steal in the Middle Earth questions. Um, Paul was only down by six points, so he was in a great position to to take the lead going into round three. He just needed to stay away from opponent's choice, and he hit it right. And Chance, he knew what he wanted to do. He went with Star Wars. He, he might have gone with Star Wars. Again, we don't know fully what his thinking was there because maybe he's stronger in Star Wars and thought he could get some steals. But obviously what we saw That's too is that- It sounded uh, like from the conversation he had with yeah. Shane when they were deciding. But but what we saw too is that Star Wars was was definitely not what Paul wanted, what, what Paul Yama wanted um, because he did, he did struggle his way through um, the questions only coming out of them with four points ultimately. I mean, I think at first, Scott, we kind of thought, I, I don't know about this. Like Star Wars is something that, you know, even the casual inner geekdom players maybe know fairly well just because it, it's, you know, arguably the most popular or at least the one that most people have been exposed to um, even, you know, non-inner geekdom players and stuff. So, so you kind of think that maybe everyone MCU. at least has kind of, yeah, maybe MCU, but they, yeah. you kind of think they have a pretty good base knowledge of star Wars, but there were some deep cuts here to be fair to, to Paul. Like there was, there were some tough questions. Um, and, and so that, that really buried him in the end. Again, he, he was able to keep it at a five point deficit going into round three, which is kind of, where where you want to keep it for for damage control i guess where you could still force your opponent to to hit that five pointer if you you hit all of your questions uh unfortunately for paul he didn't hit all of his questions the dceu question about wedgies about about types of wedgies right really just kind of a hilarious question but goes to show you got to know every single thing about these movies and um you just hate shazam scott that's that's the reason you didn't know the answer to that question you just hate shazam I don't like Shazam. I wouldn't say that I hate it. I, I don't like Shazam, but you didn't know the question either, and you like Shazam. So uh, that is not yeah. the, the only reason. And I actually happen to know that Paul really likes Shazam. Paul loves Shazam. Uh, and so he's probably actually kicking himself even more about this. But um, Big flex. You know what Paul likes. No, that's not, that wasn't the purpose <laughs> of it at all. But uh, regardless, it's a deep cut, right? And it shows 
how uh, how tough it is um, yeah. and how how you, you really do have to know everything about these movies. Um, and, Chance knew, and Chance knew it, right? So I, I think that if we, if we circle back around to talking about yeah. Chance here, who who did, That's I think I very much. Say. Okay, yeah, I mean, like very much did win the match. I I feel like because mm-hmm. yes, the wheel the wheel decides the match, but we've seen it many times this year. Like, I mean, look, just rewind a, a few minutes ago, we we're talking about Emily Jacobson from from the Fenstock Exchange had the wheel go her way both times in both matches, right? Like both spinners and opponents in her direction, and doesn't know how to capitalize on it. And Chance Ellison capitalizes it to the to the nth degree here getting giving him star wars getting two steel opportunities i do think paul maybe psyched himself out a little bit in star wars i think the rough start that he had with checking the multiple choice and then having chance steal the second question to get to get that steal back it seemed like he was second guessing himself uh during star wars which which is a little surprising to me i didn't expect it i didn't expect that from him but um yeah i, I guess i was surprised by that in in round two but overall chance like chance looked solid in round one so did paul and then you know throughout round two even when chance missed the the multiple choice questions in star wars the only question that he missed in the match i believe i think he bounced back from that really confidently like you you talk about um what happened with demolanta when when we'll get to that match later on but when he missed and when he had the the kind of flubbed a uh second round question in in his match against Molly Damon this week, you saw him bounce back and go and just rip through the rest of his category and, you know, not miss a question for the rest of the match. And I think you basically saw chance do the equivalent is he, he bounced back from not knowing this particular star Wars question. And he ripped through the rest of the match and didn't miss a question. And I think that that was like that confidence, that ability to bounce back. And then the strategy he had of knowing what he was going to go with, uh, on, on the wheel, if opponent's choice were to, to be spun by Paul, I think all that combined, uh, put together, I think, the perfect performance for Chance in this instance and a uh, uh, win that, to Leo's point here that you flashed on the screen, that Corruption yeah. really needed, but maybe even more than Corruption really needed, Chance really needed this win. And I think it was a really important win for Chance who had racked up a good number of losses in the singles and in her geekdom divisions while only having played top-tier quality players. I mean, you look at his record, maybe is very, you know, you know, five, I think it might be like a 500 record overall and like that. But you look at the people he's lost to like Bibiani. I think he, he lose to Irwin one year or Merle. And it was Merle. I think it was Merle. He played yeah. Dan Merle a couple years ago and then lost to Brandon Hanna in the four way of inner geekdom last year, who was, you know, an 80% inner geekdom player. And so just like, he's only playing the best. I mean, he lost to Paul last year in singles as well. Like right. he's only playing the best players, like basically people who have been champions except for Brandon Han like that like Brandon Han would be the only exception to that like that's the only people he loses to and so to finally see him get over the hump here and get the win is is really big yeah sorry I I, I see I said Star Wars he missed a Star Wars question he missed a Middle Earth question that's what it was he, he missed a, a Middle Earth question not a Star Wars yeah, question Paul, Paul got a steal on that actor question yeah exactly yeah 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 um, but no, it was it was really good, a uh, really strong performance for him, and and I think it's a performance that is somewhat consistent with other performances that we've seen. But each, all the pieces came together for him in this match, and at the top level is what we're seeing is that that's what it takes. You have to have all the pieces together to win these types of massive matches, and so it was a great win for him. And we'll see what he gets in the next round. <laughs> yeah, we we will. He's gonna have his hands full, but it, it was it was a very impressive match for him again that that multiple choice miss was the only only miss he had so um and shannon proven that she can manage really well i think that that was one of the things that we saw from this match is that she's uh she's not just there to to put on a show 
in the in the kayfabe department. I think she's a pretty good manager as well. Yeah, and talking about the factions here, it's it's worth mentioning too, right? Uh, we we talked we were we talked about how the usual suspects, right? They they have both their players out. Things are gonna go poorly for them in the standings now. Yeah. Swag have both of their players out too, right? And yes, they're still sitting in second place at the moment. But I think we're going to start to see that change because they still have Ace. They they do still have Ace Cabrera in the, in the Star Wars tournament, right? But um, he he's got a tough matchup against against Laura Kelly this week. Um, you could definitely see him dropping out, and then at that point, you're talking about Swag going for for quite a while here without a match. And if you want to keep up that pace of staying in second place, um, you know you you got to keep getting matches. Whereas Corruption, right, is kind of going in the opposite direction, right? They haven't maybe had as many matches or haven't made the most of their matches. But now with Chance, with with Mike, with Laura Kelly in the Star Wars tournament, with right the singles matches that have been announced after the, you know, the the Interdictum tournament, right? Mike Mike is going to be playing uh, against Andrew Guy, and the winner of that is going to be playing Ben Bateman. So that's a, p- a potential for another two wins right there uh, for for Corruption. Um, and, of course, they still have a team's title match at some point, right? So they, they still have a lot on the table here. And I think it shows that the season is a long game, right? I, I think Winston deserves a lot of credit for uh, what he's done so far with Swag and really kind of coming out of nowhere. We, maybe we didn't expect that this faction was, was going to do as well as they've done so far, but at the same time, I think we're going to see this. I think we're going to see swag start to fall a little bit. Uh, but they're going to have to to make up some ground in that singles tournament, probably. And maybe Paulo Yama, right? Maybe he's the guy. Maybe him and Lon Harris are going to kind of uh, lead the charge there uh, for for swag in that singles tournament. Yeah, I think one of the things about swag is that I won't say I, I had them at the bottom. Like I had them as my power ranked as fourth after the draft. I thought Winston had a really good, really good draft overall. But to your point, yeah. may, maybe they're going to start regressing towards that towards that fourth position. I don't know. But what you, I don't think this is intentional or anything. But they also have a title match coming up. They have they have Chandru in in a title match against Smets. So absolutely true that corruption has a lot of opportunity both in the tournament and outside the tournament, but uh, they uh, swag also still has opportunity, even though they don't have players left in the intergame tournament. And that is around a title match that he's definitely not favored to win, but uh, he has, he has a shot and he's going to, oh, are they still doing the whole, you get a point if you're in a title match thing. I can't remember if they're doing that anymore or not, yeah, but uh, I, I think so. Unless you're, it's the same faction, right? Isn't that the rule that like we saw with the, the Merle yeah. Bateman match? Maybe um, I thought that they might be taking away that altogether after what happened in Atlanta, but yeah, so, something something like that. We'll see. But the point is, uh, Swag still has one at bat left um, in this in this sort of world of inner geekdom, and it's a big at bat because if Chantry wins, then <laughs> they're in business, right? Then he's gonna he's gonna be defending right, the game. Right, they got too. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, that's fair. I I forgot that they do have that that title match right there, so that that will get them some guarantee points, I believe, if we're if we're recalling the rules correctly, which I, I think we are. But. Um, but yeah, no cor- corruption. I think it is gonna gonna shoot up, and I think they probably will be in the top half at least by the end of the season. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, right now, just to not bury the lead, like there's only two points that separates fourth place and last place mm-hmm. right now. That's you know the usual suspects in last place at seven points, and then you go you like catapult all the way up to like the rock stars and the burning droogs and and the quirky mercs all tied at nine points up there in fourth, fifth, and sixth place. And so you know to your point exactly, you got Mike playing next week. Even if he like forget the KO, forget it, like whether he if, if he KOs Alba or not. If he wins that match next week, they're in fourth place. 
Like they're about to just rock it right yeah. up there. And if Mike win, and if Mike does win that match, you have Mike and Chance still in the tournament. Like, right? will Chance beat Parker? Like, if if he plays Parker, who knows? Doesn't matter. But the point is, like to your point exactly. Spe- oh, we completely, we completely forgot about Laura Kelly. Laura Kelly and Mike Kalinowski playing next week. Like, it's very possible that that corruption is like knocking on the door of Swag, right? Because mm-hmm. that Swag is like fifteen or sixteen points with up there with the Den. Yeah, that's why yeah. that that Kelly versus Ace match is going to be huge. Yeah, like like let's say the uh, the I don't I don't think this is un- unthinkable, but let's say Laura Kelly TKOs Ace Cabrera and Mike TKOs Greg Alba. Like, do I think that's going to happen? Probably not at this point, just based on the performances that I've seen from both those competitors. But let's say it happens. All of a sudden, that's eight points right there, and they go from eight points to sixteen points. All of a sudden, they're tied for second. Like that, like that's how fast yeah. they're. But they could shoot up, and the same could be true for the dungeon as well with Zipper and Parker. But uh, it's 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 prime time to not hit too much on Paulo Yama's nickname there. It's prime time for corruption right now that they can really take advantage of of these things and, and to your point, shoot up the rankings. And and I think, too, that what we're seeing, right, is that, like, to, to do well in the standings, you got to win the matches that you aren't expected to win or the matches that are kind of on the, the a fine line like this one was, yeah. like we thought this one could, could really go yeah. either way. Because pretty much every faction is going to have matches where it's like, yeah, they're going to win these matches. Like, that they're... Are, are pretty much guaranteed points when you have their their top, you know, t- two, three players, teams, whatever, going out there, um, you know, they're going to pick up points. But if you really want to challenge for the top of the standings, you got to win these matches on that, again, that are sort of in the balance or that maybe you're not expected to win. We've seen it with Swag, right? Ace Cabrera probably wasn't expected to win either of his matches in the Star Wars tournament against Cavedo or against Ken. And he's done that. And as a result, Swag has has done well in the standings. That's why I think Zipper's win was big in it for, for the dungeon, because, you know, maybe he was a little more like we're not really sure what to expect for him uh, in Geekdom as opposed, you know, to Parker, who we know is going to win some matches. Um, so I think that's that's what we're seeing is that it, it really is more about the middle of your ro- middle to bottom of your roster, um, it, you know, in, in terms of who is really going to move you up uh, the standings. I mean, even the fence stock exchange, right? We talk about how how good the the top of their their lineup is, but. The Barbarian and Andrew Demolata have gotten them a lot of points this season, and they would not be on top without those two guys playing as well um, as they have. So that's yeah, what we're seeing the, with with the, with the factions. Yeah, I mean, the, the exchange has 25 points this season. 12 of those have come from Barbarian and Demolata. And like half yeah. your points coming from people who aren't those like, oh, it's so unfair that they got their first four, you know, first four players protected. And sure, that's definitely an advantage that they had. But half their points right now are coming from outside those that top four, you know, those first four players that were that are drafted. So, yeah, it's not it's not just about the top four and uh, the Finstock Exchange drafted well, to say the least. They did. They did indeed. Um, but non sequitur over, I guess, about the factions there. Let, let's let's circle back and talk about uh, Brandon Hannah against Saul. Yeah, because we, we, you know, oh, we talked that about that match. That match. Hannah, match. Yeah, Hannah was going to be um, facing uh, Alex Damon in round two, uh, but we we haven't talked about his match yet. Again, this is one we looked at on the bracket and said Hannah versus Saul. That's going to be one of the marquee matchups uh, of Very round cool. one, and, and I think it delivered right. But both competitors played very well, and the just the the trash talk and the personalities and everything. I mean, Saul Saul, we we knew he was going to bring the personality right, and, and he is great on the mic for sure, as he has shown ever since he started calling in the Collider Live back in the day. Um, but he showed he has the trivia knowledge too, right? Like, I, I think uh, he 
you know, unlike some some players who have lost in this tournament, and maybe we think uh, that might be the end for them in intergeekdom. I think Saul deserves a second shot because he he was close in this match, right? He was he, if he hits his five pointer, then he forces Brandon Hanna to have to hit his five pointer, which you know it, five pointers can, can go either way. They they can, yeah. they can be really tough, and he he was very close. He was maybe an answer away from from knocking. Uh, you know, one one of the the heavy hitters in Intergeekdom, one of the top accuracies in Intergeekdom, and Brandon Hanna out of the yeah. tournament. So I think you know he got the loss, but I think this is one of those matches where the stats are going to be kind to him, right? Because totally, he got not he got nine in round one, he got seven in round two, and he hit his two and three in round three. Uh, it, it it really was a back and forth match, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think the, I think the big thing for next time is uh, is trying to get you know one or two more points in round two because what we saw yeah. from from brandon hannah here is that you know he did just that he got nine out of ten points didn't didn't have any opportunities for a steal and i think what did saul in is that you know missing missing a question it didn't get stolen by brandon hannah i think that was like the one weakness maybe that brand the one the one thing that brandon hannah could have done better is is get that steal right get that steal opportunity you got to convert your steal opportunities in the showdown uh to to win it's like i don't think i think something like stat like smets has never never missed a steal he's like a hundred percent conversion rate on his steals it's like something crazy like that and uh yeah so brand like maybe one point of Im- improvement for brandon hannah but that's small potatoes in the grand scheme of things it was a really great performance by brandon hannah i mean we were talking before the match i think last month about it's do or die for him if he if he loses to saul even if you know even if saul plays extremely well which he did and and hannah loses like man that's a uh, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. He's going to be you know, definitely done for the year at that point. And we'll see how he recovers from that longer term in a showdown career. But he won. He won and he put in a good performance. And at the same time, Saul put in a good performance as well. It wasn't a, you know, roll, roll over or a total theater match from, from Saul. He got a lot of quality. I think he showed a little bit of inexperience in, in the fight on the five point question. He had an MCU question that, he answered yeah. really quickly. Yeah, he answered really quickly, and I don't know. I don't exactly remember how many JTs he might have had left, but I think if he had just taken the time to think, it would have been obvious to him that uh, the 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 answer that he gave. I'm forgetting which element he said because the the question was which element does Loki steal? Uh, I think like, he said palladium, but it was something well, yeah. Else, yeah, yeah. If he'd sat there and thought about that, like like I I think I think most people would know that about studying the MC. Like palladium is is the metal or the element related to iron man's chest and i think that if i don't know if he would have gotten to the right answer uh and maybe he wouldn't have maybe that would have been pointless but i think with a little bit more experience he'll know to take his time there think through the answer um because i think that's one of the things just to go back to demolanta talking in the post match uh, interviews that he had after his win this past week talking about the biggest difference between him this year and last year is that whether he took this from Ben Bateman or, or, or Gucci's coaching or whatever it might managing who, who knows what, it, where it came from, but he uses every single second that he has to think through his answers to make sure he's thinking of the right answer, because that was what he identified as one of his weaknesses from the previous season and, and why he wasn't able to get over the hump and, you know, the celebration match or the match against Laura Kelly towards the end of last year. And I think that with a little bit more, I don't know if you call that strategy, but with a little bit more mental preparation, for the match, which only comes naturally, I think over time when you've gotten a few matches under your belt, I think that that will, that will shore up for Saul. And I think he'll get even better. And I think that what we saw here is that he's already starting from a really strong base. And so I'm, I'd be really excited to see him play in inner geek in the future, certainly. But if he does want to 
you know, take a dive into the team's divisions or singles divisions. Well, I don't know if he'll be doing any of that in the singles tournament or whatnot with, uh, with, I forget what faction he's on right now. He's on, he's in the, the den. den. He's, he's in the den. Yeah. I don't know if he'd get into the singles tournament or, or not what it might be, but I'm looking forward to seeing him again in the future. Yeah, I, I think all along you said that Intergeekdom is kind of the, the division for him. I don't know. Yeah. I, I doubt we would see him in the singles tournament, but who knows? Um, you know, it may, it may depend on availability as well. But yeah, the, the Den with a loss there, Scott, again, another faction that I think we're, we may see start to slip a little bit because Goddard obviously is their other player and he uh, is playing Parker. So, um, you know, Stranger things have happened, but you, you would expect that he's probably going to lose there. And then again, you're talking about, um, you know, them not having any players left in Intergeekdom or in, in Star Wars. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, they're, they're going to be heavily relying on uh, that single tournament to, to make up some ground. Um, and, and maybe maybe they can do it. But, uh, you know, again, may, maybe a, 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 an image here that that early success doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're going to be able to sustain it. You got to be able to sustain that success. And I'm not sure the way that the den is built right now, if, if they're going to be able to do that, but it's a good match from Saul. Um, yeah. I mean, one of the, that, that's, that's what this whole thing is about, right? Like you got, you got your early, your early leads, right. With, with, I mean, look, the Finstock exchange is way out in front, but you have, you know, swag in the den kind of leading that very comfortable charge of the second tier there. And now it's, it's the people who, built their factions around the inner geekdom and star Wars tournaments really with, with corruption, whether intentionally or otherwise with corruption and the dungeon that that's the nature of it. And they're both sitting on eight points right now, you know, seven to eight points back from second and third place. And in a week's time, the, I think the landscape of the, of the faction points is going to look very different. And he may even have people completely overtaken already just within a week's time, let alone in the rounds that follow. So it's a it's a probably an anxious time for both the Din and and for Swag who had you know more of their matches earlier on and now you have people like Corruption in the dungeon and trying to take advantage of that. Whereas the Finstock Exchange just continues to lead the charge. <laughs> they do, yeah. Um, and yeah, Leo saying that the the Droogs have Brandon left, and yeah. that's why I think that this match is that that brandon versus uh damon again it's going to be a really big match because you're talking about two factions in the droog and the rockstars who are kind of in the in the relegation zone so to speak right there there what this is going to be a big match for one of them because whoever loses is done with the single with the inner geek demand and star wars tournaments and so uh you know they're probably somewhat fated to be at the bottom of the table going into that singles tournament at the very least um and so I think both of these uh, these factions are really going to want to win this match so they can kind of keep up some momentum. Um, and, and it should be a good one. Um, Scott, last match to talk about from the Inner Geekdom Tournament, um, what, from the first round of the Inner Geekdom Tournament, was, of course, uh, the Barbarian against Adam Plavik. Um, this was a matchup between the Finstock Exchange and Swag, right? Top two factions. Again, another match that had, had big implications for... Uh, the standings, and uh, yeah, I think we're what we saw in this match was the old guard of inner geekdom kind of being ushered out a little bit with with Adam Plavik, a guy who's been around for a while, been somewhat successful in in uh, inner geekdom. You know, has been I think we've referred to him in the past like the stepping stone player. You know, you this is one of those guys you have to beat if you're going to get to the he's the, the gateway to the top. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, but uh, he, he was brushed aside here by, you know, one, one of the big new rookies on the scene in, in Craig and the Barbarian uh, fr from the Finstock Exchange. Uh, again, a guy who ha has really helped the Finstock Exchange stay on top. It, it hasn't just been their top guys. He led 9-7 uh, after round one, a really rough round two for Adam after he spun opponent's choice, getting that middle earth. It just seemed like, I mean, he said he had prepared it, but, um, you know, it, it didn't didn't seem like the points uh, tell you otherwise. Yeah. Maybe whatever his studying technique wasn't the most effective. Um, but yeah. And, and then uh, he, he did. Avoid, he was able to avoid uh, the, the TKO. Um, but, you know, this this is showing that you can't just you know, sit there and pray and cross your fingers that you're not going to end up with a certain subject, right? You have to prepare. He, he got it the last time. You can't, if you're Adam Havoc, you can't just say, look, I'm not going to get it again. I had bad luck last time. I'll be fine next time. I won't get it because he got it right. Um, yeah. he, he got it. And, and with someone as much um, match history as, as Lavic has, like, you know, if you're spending an opponent's choice, like every person in this tournament is going to give you middle earth. Like there's no chance yeah. that you don't get middle earth. Especially if you're going against the Finstock Exchange, right? We're talking about, you know, the best players in the league. Um, they're they're going to know what the game tape is on Lavin. They're going to know his resume. They're going to know yep. what his strengths and weaknesses are. And that was obvious, right? Barbarian went straight to, to Middle Earth for for Lavic, um, and it, it it won him the match in the end. Yep. Uh, 1917. Again, I think maybe Barbarian. Uh, yeah, he, he did have to go to multiple choice once um, in, in round two, but and he did miss a round one question as well. So a, a couple yeah. of misses there. His first couple of misses in the showdown so far. He uh, missed. Well, but, yeah, I mean, he missed two questions because he he didn't miss anything in in round two from from the MCU category. He had to check to multiple choice three times, uh, yeah, which, yeah. which was a lot. But uh, he did miss a steal in round two and he missed that round one question. So he, he did miss two questions. Question. But the only two questions he's missed in the Shmodan so far. So, yeah. And, and so ultimately it was the sort of dominant performance that uh, we would expect from him. Again, he's going to have a tougher matchup, I think with John Humphrey, maybe, maybe he won't, um, uh, you know, it's a good draw. It, a good draw it will there. depend. It will depend on the wheel. Um, I could, you know, if John Humphrey gets wizarding world again, like you said, we, we, we could see him pull off the upset here, but I think it's looking like, Maybe Barbarian and Parker are going to have a, a date in the semifinals. Getting ahead of yourself there a little bit, but no, I, I don't. Dis I don't disagree with that. I, I think that I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. Like we don't know how how wide John Humphrey's strengths are. It might be Barbarian's tactic in round two to just go out there and knock Wizarding World off the wheel. Like if I get Spinner's Choice, I'm just taking Wizarding World. I'm going to spin first if I'm in the lead, and I'm going to take it off the. I'm going to take it off the wheel. However, I can. That might be a strategy. Now we don't know if Humphreys has other strengths you know, MCU or whatever it might be. I mean, I mean, a lot of people think the MCU is their strength and they get in that category and it's really deep cuts. It's like one of the hardest categories. You're like, oh yeah, there are actually 22 movies or whatever. 23, there's 23, 23 movies. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, I heard someone make that mistake the other day. I think it might've been on backstage. Um, it's an easy, easy mistake to make. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see what, what Barbarian strategy is because I think to a point that Ryan was making a little while back when we were talking uh, about what it takes to beat certain competitors that I... You know, Barbarian does have a lot of raw knowledge, um, but I think that he also has the strategy. I think he's the type of player who thinks that way. He's certainly in a faction that thinks that way with the Finstock Exchange and is supported by a bunch of players who are going to help him strategize in in that way. Oh. So I'd expect nothing less. And, it, and it, like I said, it, it's kind of hard to nail down John Humphrey's strengths and weaknesses 
based off this one intergeekdom match. But if you're a barbarian, do you get really sharp on wizard and roll, which he might already be. I don't know whether he is or not, but do you go out there and then is your goal in round two just to knock that off the wheel? So John Humphreys can't do that to you in wizarding world like he did to Janine. And he has, gonna, he's going to do it in another category if he, if he is going to, if he is going to go perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think that is true. Um, maybe, maybe not the, the buzziest match of round two, but, it could no. be could be a sneaky good one. Um, yeah, I know. think I think if you're going to circle matches in round two so far, it's going to be it's going to be Brandon Hanna against Alex Damon and maybe Kalinowski against Zipper. Those are probably the ones I would choose. Even even Chance and I mean, you're starting to get to where like all of them are really cool matches. I think you got if it, if it is Chance and Parker, I think that's an interesting looking match as well. So up up against those other three when it comes to the quarterfinals, I think this is probably the the least of all of them, but still. A lot of potential here because it's two people who are rookies to the inner geekdom at the very least, and and uh, not not so much game tape on them in this division. It'll be interesting to see how that develops because you because like you go into some of these other matches, you're gonna know like all right, this is what X person is looking for, this is what Y person is looking for. If it's Robert Parker, then you just like pray to God he somehow like has to go to multiple choice on something. Mixed bag, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, this really goes down that way. So I think having a, a match that's like totally fresh blood. To the inner kingdom is interesting in its own right. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. You're you're guaranteed to have you know somebody new in the semifinals there. Yep. Maybe two people new if you if you if you count Parker as new, which I I really don't, even though he is technically a rookie, but uh, he's been around. But uh, he's unproven, Scott. He's unproven. He is. Yes. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yes. Um, but re- regardless, Scott, that is that's how the inner kingdom tournament uh has gone so far in round one just uh, those couple matches left with robert parker going up against ben goddard and mike kalinowski going up against greg alba we will have both of those uh matches coming out next week but let's shift our attention to the star wars tournament um and let's start by talking about one of the matches of the year scott scrimshaw against demolanta this match delivered exactly what we thought it was going to we, we i think we circled this one when we were making our star wars brackets as hey this is this is going to be a big one we both maybe went out on a slight limb and picked picked with the 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 less uh-huh. established player in, in demolanta on the basis of maybe you know the finstock exchange keeps on winning and it proved true. The Finstock Exchange kept on winning uh, in, you know, b- both guys played a perfect game, right? But both guys played, uh, uh, did not miss a single question, did not have to go to multiple choice. It was straight up 31 to 31 going into sudden death. Um, you can't score any better than they did. Um, and, you know, I-, I was sitting there thinking this could go on forever. Uh, and in fact, it only went on one more question. Uh, <laughs> this could last for hours. 30 seconds later. Oh, it's over. <laughs> One round into sudden death, and, and you'll have to remind me exactly what the what the question was, Scott. But it was it, it was a Darth quote. Va- it? Yeah, it was like, "What did uh, Darth Vader tell Luke was the only thing, or Palpatine, the only thing that could destroy him?" And it's not Luke; it's his hatred. Yes. Um, so th- there was a challenge. Um, I, I believe it. it w- was there not a challenge? Yeah, because I think yeah, what, Christian, what, uh, Christian, and Mark gave gave the point to. To Scrimshaw, to Scrimshaw and yeah. <laughs> the uh, I loved the the promo for this week's match had like had the shot of from that from that um from the match when zooming in on Demolanta's face when they gave Scrimshaw the point it's just like a yeah. look of like utter bewilderment that he'd been given the point for that and uh speaking up there that he wanted to challenge Gucci jumping in jumping in there asking for the challenge and 
took a little bit of time uh, to to get things squared away as it should. Like they should take their time, make sure they're getting getting the right decision made in these situations, even though the match is live. But yeah, the decision was made that he uh, that that Luke was not a was not a fulsome enough answer. Uh, Luke's hatred was the precise answer, and all parties involved have been on backstage at this point since that match and uh, Scrimshaw included in this acknowledging that he definitely did not have the right answer there. Um, he had part of the answer, the Luke part, uh, but not the, not the full answer. And so uh, apparently this was a controversial decision to, to not to count, to not count Luke as an acceptable answer, but it seems like no one involved in the actual, you know, match itself thinks that it was the wrong decision. Um, and I was of the mindset as well that, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of years ago that might've passed mustard, uh, in, uh, in the, in, in, in the Schmodown Star Wars division, but definitely, definitely not anymore. And nor, nor should it, right. It's not the, it's not the same answer, uh, but what an incredible match. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's fitting that it comes to an end that way. And you can add this to the record books with matches like Southside with you versus Southside with me, Ninko versus Ninko. Ninko, Ninko. Yeah. 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 All, all these other types of matches where it's like one letter, one word deciding a match. And in, in this instance, it's a, partially correct answer but not a full correct answer that has decided decided the match and it's an incredible display that you know could it be equaled in the future yes could it be surpassed i mean i guess maybe if you go deeper into sudden death it could be surpassed but what did what did a, a match uh, an all-time an all-timer i think pretty much pretty much instantly uh to add to the collection of all-timer that we already had this year with ben bateman and dan merle in atlanta so yeah good good year of matches yeah, I, I want to give a shout out to Joseph Scrimshaw too because I think yeah. he he handled it like a pro. He seems like just a, a pretty classy dude uh, in general. I, I liked what he had to say in the post match interview about the quote and the fact that well, it wasn't actually hatred that ended up destroying uh, <laughs> Darth Vader, and it, you know he 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 worked it into a really sort of nice, profound, loud. uplifting moment. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and so I makes me want to listen to his podcast. Honestly, he's got so much positive yeah. energy. He's just like good vibes. Definitely. So, so shout out to him and shout out to Demolanta, right? Like the guy, obviously, you know, he didn't play poorly whatsoever in that match against Laura Kelly. It was just a couple of questions that decided the match, but he, he's gone that extra mile. Clearly he has done what he needed to do studying wise to make sure that he's not even going to miss a couple questions anymore. Right. It, it's, it's going to be, um, you know, all he, he's going to be firing on all cylinders all the way. Um, and, uh, you know, we saw that too in, in his, his round two uh, match with Molly Damon, a, a little bit bumpier there with, with a few things that happened with a few more controversies that happened, but we'll, we'll talk about those in a little bit, but Demolanta uh, getting the win over, over Scrimshaw. And yeah, like you said, a, a phenomenal match. Um, yeah. I, I mean, look, it's, it's one of those situations where, We'll talk about the round two match in a little bit, but one of the things about Timolanta that I was a little bit nervous about halfway through this match is the guy was like a bundle of tension. Like he this he mm. was so wound he up in so this match, and he was he was wound up too in his match. Like he is so intense in the moment, and I and to go back again to like the difference between this year and last year for Timolanta is that like he's channeling that in like a way that's like clearly very productive for movie trivia and like his performances whereas like last year it was just this like raw energy that he couldn't like he clearly couldn't harness he was again firing off answers before he thought them through and really just unrefined talent this and it really feels like whether it's because of the finstock exchange or whether it's just because you know of andrew demolanta i think it's probably a little bit of both right 
but he's really channeled that this year and, and found out that I have my knowledge that I need. Now I just need to get good at the schmodown. And I think that he, that's the difference between last year and this year. And maybe that's going to be the difference between him getting to the, you know, and it has been the difference between him getting to the final with how thin those margins are in the star Wars tournament. And maybe it'll be the difference for him getting a title shot. Maybe it'll be the difference for him being the first person to defeat Alex Damon in like three years or however long it's been since he lost to Whitwer. Um, it's just pretty remarkable. I think how amazing Alex Damon has been, and it's going to take something remarkable, something remarkable that Andrew DeMolanta has shown so far in the tournament uh, to, to beat him. And I'm looking forward to the finals, whoever he does play, whether it's Laura, or whether it's ace, I think it's probably going to be Laura. And I'm looking forward to whatever comes because the star Wars tournament, you know, Bangers, bangers all around. I think in terms of, in terms of matches, they've been good matches. Um, yeah, it's delivered. nearly every time. Yeah, it's delivered, and maybe you know because of how high the standard has been, that's why Molly Damon and, and Adam Adam Witt was a little bit of a disappointment. Just uh, mm-hmm. uh, the final score only being twenty four to nineteen, right? Uh, such a low scoring match for the Star Wars division. Yeah, thirty two yeah. to thirty one pre- preceded it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Adam Witt, yeah, Ryan saying his his match against Molly proved knees question. Yeah, we're we're definitely going to discuss that. But uh, but Molly um, following in the the footsteps of her husband uh, by winning here. Yeah, Leo talking about the challenges, which I think was fair. There was like was it three There's challenges? Three challenges in round one. in round one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of, of this match, which definitely sort of halted the momentum. But hey, going back to the Scrimshaw Demolante match, I think Scrimshaw was the one who said this and, and and said it correctly that when the players are of this high quality, this is this could be the difference in the match. And so, yeah, if if there's a, a questionable thing on the very first question, um, you know, why not throw a challenge out there? Because that question could be that challenge could be what ends up deciding the match. Um, here, you know, they, they 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 did have some effect on the match, but ultimately I think the match probably would have played out the same way in terms of who won um, uh, because I think Molly Damon just did have that extra little bit uh, of knowledge over uh, over Adam Witt. He, like he showed in his match with, with Sean Sullivan, he's a solid player, right? He knows his Star Wars. Um, he, he's by no means the worst we've ever seen in this division. Bruce Green, uh, I'm adding you. Um, that's not, that's not but, fair. Uh, <laughs> hey, he he chose to play in the match, um, but uh, but but yeah, um, I, I think that uh, he he just doesn't quite have what it takes. Maybe, maybe he's a little like a, a little bit of an Adam Plavik here in the Star Wars division. He he's kind of maybe someone that you you need to beat to to get to that next level, but he's probably never going to be quite there to to beat really the top tier to to beat you know, the Scrimshaws and the Kellys and the Demolantas uh, of this division. Um, but Molly Damon playing a good match with, with, with 24 points. Uh, she clearly showed that, hey, I, I'm a good Star Wars competitor in my own right. I'm not just, uh, you know, feeding off of whatever I, I absorbed uh, by osmosis from my husband's studying. I, I actually know this stuff, too. Um and, you know, it was temporary glory for the usual suspects, obviously. But, you know, we, we've been hard on them. We've said that they're probably going to be in last place for a while now. So let's let's give them their due, I guess, and, and acknowledge that, hey, they did win a match. Yeah, they won a match. And Molly Damon is a is a very good Star Wars player. I mean, I think it's it whether or not you you got that from this match. I think she reinforced it in the match with Demolante, even though she didn't necessarily end up winning that match. 
And overall, it was probably, but I mean, besides trading for Irwin, but in terms of free, like just like raw free agency moves, probably the best free agency move was picking up Molly Damon because what we saw in that he traded like Sam Levine trading away Ken to the Drugs that Ken Ken clearly didn't have it, like didn't have the fire in him to study. Who knows? I mean, we'll we'll get into that match in a little bit. I think there were some there were some deeper. I think th- those questions are pretty hard in that match. I, I think to be fair, but uh, Ken didn't win his match. Like Ken should have won his match. Like if he'd prepared properly, like he's he's probably. Overall, I think most people would say his career has is, is been better than that of Aces, but he just didn't really want it anymore, and that's fine. It didn't really seem like he wanted it. And so trading, knowing whether whether Sam knew that or not, I mean, he probably had suspicions, right? But trading Ken away and picking up Molly from free agency, great move. Great move for Sam there. I think it was really smart, and he got three points out of it. And just think if he hadn't gotten three points out of it, right? Like they'd be at four points. be at four points in the standings right now. I mean, that'd be horrible. Like absolutely mm-hmm. horrible. Um, I mean, granted, still bad because they're in last place. And they had the first play. pick in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I said that from the beginning. Taking 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 the family for the first pick in the draft, I thought was was silly. I think that, I mean that's just I think that's just loyalty to to Drew McQueen, whether, whether which McQueen then backfires or not. I, I don't think it was a good move. Yeah. Oh, agreed. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's literally what I was about to say because, and I said that before at the time, and it became even more true when you know through no force. I mean, there's no way he could have predicted that happening, but you know, Drew McWinney retiring after his first match of the year um, set, set that, set that um, faction back even further. And so I think to try to salvage that has been a difficult challenge, especially without having as many matches as a lot of other factions. But part of the reason now that, that he can point to, to say he doesn't have as many matches as other factions is because he lost all of his matches in the tournaments, except for this one. And so that's the reason why he hasn't had opportunities to win more points. It's because his players just weren't getting it done for one reason or another. But he got it done in this match and didn't get it done in the second round. That That is what it is. I mean, Star Wars tournament, the quality of players is just so high that it's amazing to win one match, let alone uh, making it to the finals, etc. So, yeah, give, give Sam his credit where credit is due there, I think, in in the... Uh, going back to the money ball side of things and the Schmodown, trading away certain players to get Ethan Irwin, which is a good move for sure. Picking up Molly Damon was a great move off the transfers and just needing to figure out some way to make this team click together and start generating the points that you expect the roster to generate because he hasn't been able to do that uh, regularly yet this year. So there's still time with the singles tournament maybe, but unfortunately the Star Wars tournament, although it got off to a good start, uh, ended ended in the semifinals for him. Yeah, and, and why don't we just go there now? We will yeah. we will circle back and talk about Ace versus Ken, but um, Demolanta versus Damon. Controversy strikes again um, in this match. And actually, I, I do want to it's briefly terrible. talk about... Yeah, I, I briefly want to talk about, Scott, what happened, something that happened in round one that actually wasn't challenged. And yeah. you know, we had a discussion about whether maybe it should, been, should have been or not, but I believe it was the very first question uh, of, of the match um, which uh, was about the uh, a quote that Obi Wan Kenobi has, where he says that the, not the dark side. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Obi Wan. It was like Obi Wan says the dark side doesn't deal in, and the answer was absolutes, right? And yeah. Molly Damon wrote absolutes, said absolutes, and I believe Demolanta said the correct answer, but he had only absolute written on the board, um, and no challenge. Um, he said absolute. He said what was on his board. He said absolute. 
Okay. Uh, so so technically, he li he left the S off uh, at the end, and, and yep. it did get me thinking. I mean, I, you, again, Scott, you are right, I guess, to technically say it wasn't a quote question. It wasn't a complete the quote question. Yes. My, my whole thinking on this was that, uh, yeah, only a Sith deals in absolutes. That was it. Specifically. My whole thinking was, it doesn't make grammatical sense, right? If to say only a Sith deals in absolute, that just that doesn't make grammatical sense. Sure. And so I feel like it would have been an interesting debate about whether you know to, to count the answer or not if Molly had decided to challenge it. Because I mean, it, it's not the right answer. Yes, it's harsh to. It is the right answer to, though, because it's not asking you to complete the quote. It's asking you what is it that's like like what is it? And like, the answer what is, is absolutes, not absolute. It, but it, but you're saying it's single versus plural. Like it, it's it's the same thing when you're asking what something is. It's single versus plural. That's the that's the same answer in that format. If it's asking you to complete the question, you have not given the fully correct answer. But when you're not asking to complete, sorry, I said complete the question. When you're asking to complete the quote, you're not given the right answer. But my answer is like, I mean, I, I don't have a good another like good equivalent off the top of my head. But like if you ask like like what is the animal that did X thing in X movie? And if you said single versus plural, like it doesn't, it like doesn't, doesn't matter. Like that's still the right answer, whether you say it's giraffes or giraffe. Um, and I, and I think it's, I think it's the same here when you're not asking to, for the quote to be completed. And this is the discussion that we were having offline is that the, I think it would have been a valid thing to challenge. Like the challenge would have been fair. I, I personally wouldn't have um, upheld the challenge. I would have, I would have said that it was the right answer for the reasons that I just laid out. But one of the things that I think is becoming really clear in the Star Wars division and in the Star Wars tournament, and I think one thing that will become clear in the Inner Geekdom tournament, I imagine, at some point very soon, is that it's not always about what is like explicitly right or explicitly wrong. There are like shades of correct answers, right? Like I think going back to the maybe this is too far too not not the perfect example here. But going back to the Demolanta scrimshaw match and taking Luke versus Luke's hatred, like that is a that is a shade of correct answer somewhere, right? Like the threshold for it actually being correct is is beyond what Luke is, right? But it's not like he said Leia, right? It's not like he said a, like someone who just like goes fact, like definitely not what the not what the like anywhere close to the answer, right? Like it's a shade of correct. And in the case of the Demolanta scrimshaw match, I think most I think everyone involved in the match agrees that okay, that that was not a correct enough answer and i think that what you see here is an example of a, a question that yes if you're asking for the like word for word quote to for the reasons that you've laid out here like that is not the most correct version of the answer the most correct version of the answer is absolutes which is what molly put on her board and and what a lot of people were shouting in the chat about you know you should have done this should have done that and should have challenged and i think that for that reason it would have been a fair thing to challenge but i just think the threshold for the answer being correct in this instance is not you know, beyond what absolute would get you. Um, and a lot of that is framing. Like a lot of that is well, like the type of questions that is asked. A lot of that is, you know, what is the appetite for getting like, work, like very specifically correct, like technically, technically correct answers in the, in the Shimoda, which it seems like we're, we're going more towards being, you know, exactly technically correct answers in, in that area. I mean, just look at the energy shield question from the, from the first, you know, Molly Damon match there with Adam Witt and one of the challenged questions there. But it, in my mind, it's, becoming this like gray area of like if you're a competitor you like you you just like really need to put the most correct answer on the board like every single time because you don't know when it's going to bite you in the ass like you don't know when you're like mostly correct but not completely correct answer 
is going to come back to bite you. And maybe if she had challenged, maybe they wouldn't have counted that. Maybe that would have been considered a wrong answer. Like, I'm not saying that I know whether or not the answer would have been right or wrong. Um, But the point is, is that Andrew DeMolanta, and this is, you know, I think the point that I'm trying to make here is that he opened himself up to being challenged there and to being potentially wrong. And do I think it was wrong answer? No, but the more like the longer this goes on in the Star Wars tournament and the top players are competing against each other on like fifth rounds of sudden death being like the first question that someone gives like partially wrong answer on like you just can't give your opponent or your opponent's manager any room to try to convince Christian Mark the writers etc that you know what this answer is not correct enough for for our standards here and I think that is like that's the direction the Schmidt is moving for for better or for worse I think it's kind of the direction it has to move when players are as good as they are but it's a it's an interesting evolution I think yeah, I, I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think just to play devil's advocate, the, the last thing I would say is just that I feel like it's just a disguised quote question, right? I mean, the, the question isn't complete the quote. Yes, a Sith only deals in, or only a, only a Sith deals in blank. That That is not the question. But the question is asking you for what Obi-Wan says. And what Obi-Wan says is absolute. So I think you can make an argument that... Yeah. This is a quotes question, right? That that maybe the the form of the question doesn't necessarily immediately suggest that it, this is a this is a quotes question. Sure. But when you like actually parse out what the question is asking for, what it is asking for is what Obi Wan says, and what Obi Wan says is not absolute. I mean, that would be the argument that I would make if I was in Molly Damon's position and I had challenged that. Yeah, and like I said, I think I think it's a valid challenge. I think that you can make that argument. I just don't think that in this particular instance, this particular question that that argument it will like will like would uphold the challenge just just based just based on that um if it again if it were completely the quotes question talking a different story but again i i think that i should have just prepared by creating like counter examples of like other situations where clearly no one would say that this is a wrong answer but it is a single versus a plural situation in in my mind and and so because it's that um i don't think that it was the wrong answer but just like just like you, just like so many other people, when I saw Andrew put absolute on the board and said absolute, I was like, oh boy, that's definitely going to get challenged. Like, there's no way that yeah. doesn't get challenged, um, and it didn't get challenged. So, there you go. Maybe he got away with one. I don't know. You just got to show that board real quick, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, but okay, let's now let's talk about the thing that was actually challenged in the match, Scott. Which was oh, there was actually a challenge. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, this round two question in which in which Demolantes life truly did flash before his eyes uh, yeah, in, in this moment. Um, and, and I, I can't remember, it, is it like tr- trinium or, or Tiberium? Tr- trinium or t- t- oh, okay. Uh, well, r- r- if Ryan's still there, he can tell us because he actually knows Star Wars, but um, uh, I mean, Tiberium. We, we've seen all the movies, but uh, yeah, this is the type of thing Ryan would know, but um, yeah. But so, so the answer is, Whatever the word was, it ended with it's an Tiberium. Right? Got for the third or fourth time. It's Tiberium. Okay, cool. It's Tiberium. <laughs> um, and and Demolantis said the correct answer, um, or it, he appeared to say the correct answer. At I thought he did. You know, first listen. I yeah. I haven't actually gone back and listened to what he said because I only you know realized after the match that people were were saying that oh he actually said Tiberium, uh, yeah. not not Tiberian. Yeah, Tiberium. Um, so, so there you go, Mr. Smart Alec. Um, it was, it was Tiberium. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. There you go. Cool. I'm an idiot. There you go. Um, we were both wrong. But, but Christian and Mark, uh, understandably, I think had trouble hearing what he said, right. And wanted to make sure that he had actually said the correct answer. And, 
And so they asked him to spell it, right? And, and I think there, there's there's a question here about whether that was the correct move to make. And and it probably wasn't. Ultimately, yeah. I think the best move would have been first to ask him to say it again uh, to see what – and then maybe if they still couldn't hear it, maybe spelling was was the right um, remedy. But regardless, Demolanta, right, he backs out of his answer and he spells it with – if he truly said it with an M the first time, he then did not spell it with – with an M when he was asked to spell it, he spelled yeah. it with an N. N. Yeah. So, so that's sort of the first problem, which I, I think was, was handled. Okay. Ultimately. But I think that, I think the, you just the, ask him to repeat your, I mean, first off, I just think yeah. that you just ask him to repeat what he said. Yes. Right. And, I agree and yeah, I think that he psyched himself out spelling it then for whatever reason. Right. Um, and the reason why I think he did say it right the first time is that he was like so adamant when the challenge was like, that is what I said the first uh -huh. time. Um, and, but anyway, yeah. And then, there's more, but go ahead. Yeah, right. It, it's, but ultimately, like, again, I think there were things that could have been done better about the challenge. But yeah, um, but I think that this part maybe wasn't as problematic a, as afterwards, um, which which is the fact that um, Molly then got, you know, after after all of this being very careful about him saying the correct answer, making him spell it, it was obvious that he was very close to what the correct answer was but he was incorrect. It then goes to Molly for the two point steal. She says the correct answer, Tiberium, and gets the two points. Even after the challenge comes in, they determine that, hey, Demolanta did not get the answer right. She was allowed to keep those two points instead of, right, what I think the fair thing would have been to do. And we've seen this done in a match before. I forget exactly which match it was, but Ellis had said something in, in the ask of the question or in the reading of the multiple choices or something that may have like inadvertently suggested what the answer yeah. was to, like, he asked someone to, someone repeat, to clarify an answer. Yeah. yeah. He asked someone to clarify what letter they had said, like B versus yeah. D making it extremely obvious that one of the, like the correct answer was either B or D. Um, and, and on yeah. that occasion, he raised his hand and said, Hey, we're going to ask a new question. And I think that would have been the appropriate thing to do here. Um, what would have yeah. been to ask Molly a new question at two points, not allow her to go to multiple choice, yep. only allow her to answer it at two points and see if she got it instead of her being allowed to, to keep the, the two points. However, as Leo points out, I think the good news about all of this is that even if, even if the absolutes challenge happened, even if the, the Tiderium thing hadn't happened, Demolanta still wins the match, right? But in that moment, in the moment when Molly Damon gets those two points, you know, again, when the, the margins are so thin in this division, I mean, I was certainly sitting there thinking, he's toast. Like that that one letter just did him in. I was like, here we go. Another Ninka Ninka situation where one letter costs you the match. Um, for, yeah. Unfortunately for Molly, she just didn't have enough to close it out. She did have a really hard three-pointer in round round three that yeah. she missed and then didn't didn't get a perfect round in round two. She did uh, give up one steal to Demolanta, I believe. Um, she also missed her three and her five point question. But yes, she um, yeah. she did give up the steal as well. And I just want to go back to the challenge here. And one of the sure. things that like I do think it ultimately, given everything that happened, like the right ruling was made. Like when they asked Demolanta to spell it, he spelled it incorrectly. He gets it wrong. Like that's like that's definitely the right solution. I think that to your point earlier, like the challenge could have been handled differently, asking him to tr just to repeat what he said and enunciate more clearly what he said. I think that that is a, that that would be a more sensible solution than asking someone to spell it um, for a variety of different reasons. But then the other thing is that even once this has happened, like 
I think people, even, even someone like me who accepts that this is the right outcome to the challenge is that I go back and I think back and I don't want to harp on something from a couple months ago, but like apparently Idris Alba is a correct answer, but Tiderian versus Tiberium is not is Tiderium is not. I just look, I think they're both wrong ultimately, but just, I think what people, the, the, this instance just shows you that like the Shmodan is still trying to find that consistency. And if this is the, if this is the standard that is set moving forward, around all right like there's no breaks on you know elba versus alba there's no breaks on ninko versus ninka there's no breaks on tiderium versus tiderian like that's fine that's the standard we want set it's just like weird when all of a sudden idris alba is a correct answer in in a match um when it's spelled wrong on the board it's pronounced wrong it's not like it's not like there's any you know reasonable excuse i think that that gets passed and yet christian will like Fall, fall on the like die on the hill of Idris Alba is a correct answer for some reason because Mark Andrico knew knew the right answer right it was like I think that we all can agree that like you know Andrew de Malanza probably knew the right knew. answer in 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 this instance um and it yeah. didn't count so look I think they're both wrong and the right answer the right decision was delivered here it's just like let's just keep it consistent we want the consistency moving forward which hopefully we will get yeah no I I think that's fair to ask I do think that the live the fact that this was a, a live environment maybe yeah, definitely yeah. affects these things because they're they're really wanting to get it right in the moment. Like they called PJ, I believe was was who they they called to uh, Probably, yeah. uh, you know consult on this, and, and Ellis was also of course a part of the the discussion. And the three of them, you know, agreed on the decision in the end, and and you know were stood by their decision very strongly. Like even yes. after the match was over, and it was clear that people were were mad about it. Um, but but again, the good news is that this did not decide the match. Uh, yeah. Demolanta would have won regardless. Again, Molly Damon, unfortunately for her, like she, you know, she got it to the match was tied going into round three, but she had a chance to take the lead. And when you're playing someone like Demolanta, who you know, having shown as much improvement as he has, and has having shown he's not going to miss very much unless it comes down to a, a letter. Yeah. You want to take that lead when you get the chance. And then you want to close things out in round three. And unfortunately, she wasn't able to do either of those. But as you said, very good Star Wars player. Margins are so thin in this division. Um, and uh, I think Demolanta, you know, he, he, he's, he's been a beast in this tournament. He, yeah. He's shown his improvement. He is definitely fitting in with the rest of the winners in the Finstock Exchange. And I think if he gets his second chance at Laura Kelly, I stand by my pick. I think he's going to win. Yeah, I, you know, I wonder at what point, maybe it's already happened, that Alex Damon starts getting nervous up there on the throne. Yeah, right. I, th I think whoever it is, if it, assuming it, it ends up Demolanta and Kelly in the finals, I think either one of them winning is going to be the toughest title challenge that, that he's had uh, since he's been Star Wars champion. Um, and, and I mean, maybe as tough or even tougher than, than if he ever played Sam Whitworth again, because, you know, Whitworth has been out of the division for a long time. This this could be like his Whitworth match that we're never probably actually going to get to see. Yeah, I mean, right. I think this this next title defense will cement him truly as like an all-timer, right? Like if he I can mean, defend... He already, but yeah. I mean, some people don't act. Some people actually disagree with these guys. Some people don't think he's an all-timer, which which boggles my mind. But I think you just like he hasn't cement... missed a question in like two years. He misses questions. That's not true. When when's the last time he missed one? I mean, he he never he doesn't get all the speed round questions. 
I'm like, I'm sure of it. Like, he's okay, definitely... but that's not, it's, it's not because he doesn't know them, uh, but anyway, go on, go on. Sure. I, I'm just saying like, he, I don't think he's ever had a perfect, like, I'm, did he, was he perfect in the title match against Laura? Maybe he was perfect in the title match against Laura. I don't know, but it, he, he, he's not getting like, he, it's not like he's like never, he's not like Smets who has like missed a question in like three matches or something like that. Um, anyway, I think that it's to the point now where the Star Wars division has gotten, I mean, it was competitive before. It's not like Scrimshaw and Knapsack in his prime and Whitware weren't like incredibly serious and like top competitors uh, in any by any stretch. But like you're now looking at a tournament full of people who just like do not miss questions like Demolanta missed one question off a letter like Laura Kelly didn't miss a question in her first round. Um, you know, is she going to miss a question versus Ace Cabrera TBD? TBD, whether she misses a question there. Like, I don't know. The the These competitors just feel not just honed in their Star Wars knowledge like Alex Damon is, but as honed in the schmodown as Alex Damon is. And look, I, I don't know if, if there's any luck whatsoever in Star in Star Wars matches just because everyone knows everything. But, it, man, it's it's going to be a wild match, I think, uh, whenever, wh- who, you know, whoever it is that plays him, it's going to be a wild title match. Because it looks like, it seems like it's going to be at Spectacular. Is it gonna? Are they gonna wait all the way to spectacular? Or are they gonna do the Super Stream Yard? Yeah, I I don't know. Like uh, I'm not sure if I've heard anything about that specifically. But if anyone in the chat has, let us know. But yeah, wh- whenever it happens, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, I think this this is gonna be the Star Wars. You know, I, I think we we've all been wanting Damon versus Whitworth for quite a while. But I think this it wouldn't this even be happens, a good match anymore. Like there's no way Sam Whitworth. There's no way Sam Whitworth is gonna be as good as he used Careful. to be, right? Maybe uh, I I don't know. I mean, you say we say that, but what has he been doing the last two years or whatever, where he hasn't been playing a match? He's been acting in Star Wars related stuff, so it's not like he hasn't been in the world of Star Wars. Um, yeah, so he's been, he's been doing a lot of other stuff besides Star Wars, but yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I think it would it would still be a good match if they were to play. But you know, uh, again, maybe because it's fresher for these guys. This would ultimately, whatever we're going to see is ultimately going to be a better match than if we ever get Damon Whitwer. But yeah, um, I think it will be. Finally, Scott, Ken versus Ace. Um, you know, this is a match where questions were missed. Um, and, and, yeah, there there uh, were questions missed in this match. This is true. There, there were. At the same time, round three was excellent, right? Every question was answered yeah. correctly in round three. It came down to the, you know, the final question, Ace having to hit his five-pointer, and he hit it. And Ace clearly studied for uh, we got to give him a lot of props because he has clearly studied for the star wars tournament and that studying helped him win this match right because it was clear that he had memorized all of the 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 colors and the the numbers and stuff like that uh those those really small details and those things come up and it came up on his five point question and he knew it pretty quickly right as far as ken knapsack i think he's just been out of the division for too long and he probably didn't, uh, you know, do exactly what he needed to prepare for this match. If he did anything, um, ring, ring rust is real. Even if he did prepare ring rust is real. Yeah. Six points in round one. And it was a very difficult round one, but six points was. in round one. And one thing I noticed was he seemed to be a little frustrated and grouchy about how deep some of the questions were, but they're not any deeper than they were when he played. I mean, like you, you look at that match that he had against Whitworth, right? The, the all time goat star Wars match. Yeah. Like he put up whatever, like 44 points or something in that match um, with questions just as deep as those ones being asked. So I think he was just frustrated that uh, he didn't know the answers. Maybe yeah, I was gonna uh, say he was frustrated. He didn't know the answers to so questions. Um, and look, the guy still knows star Wars. He scored 23 points in the match. He got all three of those, those questions in, in 
in round three. But if he has a stronger round one, uh, you know, that, that, that could have made the difference in the match. But, uh, you know, again, all credit, I think, goes to Ace, not only in, in beating Cavedo and beating sort of the unknown, the guy that we thought might make a run in this tournament, but then beating um, beating Ken Knapsack, uh, a former Star Wars champion, right? Like, even though I think he will fall to Laura Kelly, right? He, he has done more than I think his faction could have expected him to do in, in this tournament, maybe by winning these two matches and oh, yeah. has, has definitely been a, a return on, you know, the, their investment, whatever round they got him in one of the lower rounds of the tournament, they have gotten their money's worth, I think, because getting two tournament wins like this is about the most you can ask out of someone who is your, your eighth, ninth, 10th round pick or wherever ACE was picked. And so I think he has yeah. done his job in that regard. Yeah. I don't think he was picked up at the live draft, so he wasn't in the first six rounds. Um, yeah, absolutely. Return on this. He's playing with house money right now, like total, total house money right now. He goes out there and even gives Laura a match, right? Like I think I'm not saying his goal is going to be avoid a KO cause he can do better than that. Definitely. But you know, if he, if he makes it interesting, if he makes Laura hit, her five point question like that is he's he's done more than more than what's expected of him um, because, yeah, maybe people short shrifted him in the Cavedo match, probably weighing his performance against Robert Parker a little bit too heavily, um, especially since it's in a different division. But I think that what he showed here is that he came to play. He studied up. He, you know, took he rolled with the punches coming out of the the Parker match and, and used that as fuel to the fire to come into the Star Wars tournament and and prove those people wrong and take advantage of a Ken Knapsack who maybe wasn't his sharpest, but you know, he still had to go out there and hit his five point question to your point, Scott. Like I think he, it was very clear to your like exactly what you said. He studied the numbers of Star Wars, right? I think that's something that that a lot of I think usually players new to the league don't think about is like how many colors, numbers. You just have to know that often just come up in these questions. And he just knew them all. Like he knew them all. He didn't even flinch. On most yeah. of these questions, and so when you, when I heard a numbers question come up and as a five point question, I'm like, no, it's over. He he's like definitely going to get it based on everything else that he answered and how comfortable he was with those questions early on in the match. And that's to his credit, a hundred percent is a really strong performance. Um, and I'm interested to see exactly how far he'll push Laura Kelly. Um, like I said, I don't think it's going to be a knockout situation, even if Laura Kelly goes perfect and doesn't miss a question. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how things turn out. I'm certainly favoring Laura Kelly in this one, but ACE has done a phenomenal job and definitely proven all the haters wrong and proven that he has a place, uh, in the, in the schmodown, uh, particularly in the star Wars division. Yeah. Um, so there you go, Scott, that is the, the star Wars tournament. I do want to briefly finish by talking about the singles tournament, but, uh, Leo did ask a question here. Who can manage the burning drugs now since RMB is gone? I think that's a good question, right? Because we saw Brandon Hanna managing, uh, hilarious. I loved that, that kayfabe man, performance. Sorry. Why am I forgetting who he was managing? All of Ken Napsack. Uh, yes. Ken Napsack. Um, and I don't, uh, Scott. I believe you. You said while we were watching the match, or at some point, you said, "Does Ken even know who Brandon Hanna is?" Because um, uh, yeah. I don't. Th I don't know if they they've met before or, or what what the deal is. But it didn't seem like they were on the same wavelength. So I don't think that Brandon Hanna is the permanent answer for um, you know th this no. uh, this faction as a manager. I mean, the person that I would say is Jay Washington, right? Like he he has openly said. I even though initially he had stepped away and said, I'm not going to manage, you know, the faction that I was going to manage. Um, you know, he has openly said, I will come back and I will take RB spot. I will manage the, the burning droogs. Um, 
probably COVID has changed his plans for 2020 and he, he maybe is yeah. more available now to, to do this sort of thing. And look, he's shown that he, he can be a successful manager. Like I think that he is, isn't the strongest player maybe in the showdown, but you know, what, what manager is besides Sam Levine? I, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, not Tom Benito, but, um, but I think that he, he has done well. Like I think, he he got the best out of Janine, right? Like the, we, we've talked about Janine's ups and downs in the league, but I think Janine's best performances came when she was under the tutelage of Jay Washington. I think he got some decent stuff out of Stacey Howard when, when uh, they were together. Um, and even Brienne back in the day, right? I, I think that Jay would be a, a really good choice for manager. Um, you know, I know people have talked about looking in the fan leagues for people, um, I don't. I don't know if that's something that Christian would consider for for managers. Obviously, he does it for players. I I, I don't know about for managers. Uh, I, I'm trying to think about Are we overlooking else. Ken Knapsack as a potential manager for the yeah. Rangers. I don't know. I think the question is just would he want to be that involved? Um, because he's definitely taken more of a back seat over the past year or so in the Schmodown. He he stepped away from managing corruption. Um, he isn't announcing matches anymore. Um, Although no one uh, except Ellis and Harloff are announcing matches. so th That's fair. We, we don't know like if the matches were still happening in studio. He very well could be. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a possibility, right? Because he's not going to be playing any more matches, I don't think. Like, I think Star Wars was it for him, and yeah. the turn, he, his tournament is over now. So Ken Napsack is, is maybe a, a good choice. I don't know. As far as anyone else in, you know, involved with the Schmodown, who, who might do it, but um, you know, I, I think that uh, I think Jay would be a great choice, and I think I think he'll be he should be the first call that Harloff makes, in my opinion. Yeah, unless they keep it internal to the Droogs, right? Unless they he takes someone out of the Droogs, whether it's Ken, I doubt it's Brandon Hanna, but if it's Brandon Hanna, whatever it might be, um, unless unless you're keeping it internal, I agree. That yeah, if you're if you're taking and it outside of the Droogs. Why not Jay Washington, right? Like, why not Jay Washington? Unless you're going the direction of letting Kate Mulligan completely take over the den and getting, putting Grace Hancock in charge of um, in, in charge of the Drugs. I don't like that as much as Jay Washington taking over because I like uh, Grace Hancock and Kate Mulligan's dynamic together. I think it, I think it's it's funny. It works. Um, and Jay has been I, I don't want to say MIA from swag, but Winston is clearly like clearly there and clearly capable of doing it all himself yeah. uh, not that Kate Mulligan isn't capable of doing it all by the den by himself but I just feel like Winston is just so like synonymously swag and I think the combination of Grace and Kate in the den real like it just, it just feels like it's, they're wedded together in a very different way than yeah. than Jay and Winston are so I think naturally I think Jay branching off and taking over the Droogs uh, like change it to the Viper Squad get rid of the Droogs name Viper Squad's better anyway <laughs> yeah. um and, the and having, was, a, was a true R&B. Truly, name. yeah. Truly a brainchild of R&B. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that, that would be, I mean, that would certainly be the pick that I would be behind. But it, who knows? Maybe maybe it'll just go on forever and they won't even have a manager for the rest of the season. Who knows? Yeah, uh, who knows? And, and maybe like it's a match by match basis thing, right? Maybe, maybe yeah. they don't actually bring in someone else. Like maybe it's like, Hey, Brandon Hanna, you're available today during this time when we're shooting a match. Come manage them. Ken Napsock, you're available. Come manage them. Yeah. Now, I mean, you hear know, me out on this. Scott Mance manages the Berlin <laughs> Drews. Mance just man, every maybe. time they bring it on screen, it would just be, yes, yes, yes. And I then, love that performance, Brandon Hanna. 
the competitors would be like, I'm losing eight to nothing, Scott. Yes, 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 you're still alive. Um, yeah, no, um, but maybe it's a match by match basis thing. I think that they would probably want more consistency than that, but, um, but you know, maybe I think you'd want that as a player, you'd want more consistency than that. Yeah, at this point in the season, maybe they they don't. They're not going to bring in someone new. I, th- I think that would be dumb, but because we still have the whole singles tournament. And to, to briefly touch on that, Scott, before we conclude. Well, um, one last point, too. The one reason I also think this is likely is that unlike other factions that I think are more cohesive units, I think of something like a swag or the Finstock Exchange, where it's like very. is an island of misfit toys. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like you have Deep 13, so Alonzo and, and Whitney. You have Brandon Hannah. You have Jader Paramo. You have JT. You have a bunch Ken of Nabstock. people who have probably never actually met each other in real life. well exactly right and i think you need a cohesive a cohesive drive yeah. behind like you need someone to bring that that team together to make it a true faction it's not like the Fenstock exchange or even swag i think could still work as they seem like they could work as a unit the dungeon might even be in that category as well i think you really do need a manager uh for that island of misfit toys there yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, the dungeon and swag. We know that they're training together, right? Like, uh, yeah. the the dungeon always talks about their training together. Paul Paul told us when he was when he was on the show that you know he'd been working, they'd been working with Ace and and stuff like that. So um, yeah. I think that um, yeah, they're, they're working together well, and I don't get the sense that the burning droogs are. Maybe that's just because like Alonzo Duralde and, and Whitney are like, I'm not gonna like prepare for this. Like I, I'm not gonna spend, you know, three hours studying. Look, I'm just saying there is no way on freaking earth. There is no way on earth that Alonzo Duralde, Whitney Seibold, JTE, Ken Napsock, Brandon Handa, and Bonnie <laughs> Somerville are on a Zoom call together studying. There's just no <laughs> freaking way that is happening. There's just no way uh, on Bonnie earth Somerville, happening. I mean, she doesn't show up to anything, so she certainly wouldn't show up to, to a Zoom call. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the the Drugs need to cut their losses at this point. And, and to, to talk about the singles tournament now, Scott, I, I went through earlier this week, and I, I looked at the faction rosters, and I tried to like figure out who are they going to who are they going to put in this tournament? And it's just an impossible task at this point, I think, <laughs> to predict because there's you know six or seven players on each roster that you could say, yeah, they'll throw them out there. But obviously, this is going to be a 36 person. We have the four play-in players, yeah. uh, and so each well, faction eight, is eight play-in. But yeah, no, I, eight, I think eight it's, people play it's for the, four spots. I see which I see what you're saying. Yeah, because those people yeah. will then go on to the main tournament. Sorry, math yeah. is hard. Um, but uh, yeah, four four play-in matches, whatever. Um, yeah. It's going to be four. I mean, you would assume four four competitors per factions because there's nine factions. I can't yep. do that math um, for thirty six there. And and so I, personally, Scott, here's what I think. Yeah, I think that we are not going to see as many big names in this singles tournament as you might expect. First of all, first of all, because a lot of big names are going to be playing in matches separate from the singles tournament, right? We've got Guy versus Kalinowski. We've got the winner of that versus Bateman. We've got Roka versus Irwin. We have the title match. All of those players, I think, are going to be out of the singles tournament. Like, I think regardless of what happens there, I mean, maybe like if Irwin loses to Roka, maybe he's still in the singles tournament. Maybe if Guy loses to KO, he's still in the singles tournament. But I would expect that all of them are going to be out. And this is going to be an opportunity for basically everyone who hasn't played a match, right? Because otherwise you have people who are just taking up space on your roster and don't end up playing matches. So... I don't know if we're going to like looking at the Finstock exchange. I don't know if we're going to see like a Mark Riley in, in the tournament. Um, I, 
think maybe we, we might see like a Cody Hall instead, right? Like would Mark Riley be probably a competitor you might expect to do better? Yeah, probably. But I just wonder if Christian is going to kind of be nudging the faction the the managers towards like hey put these people who haven't played a match out here right like swag put frank moran who you picked up at the the deadline put sean gerber put uh josh makuga out here in the singles tournament like we haven't gotten to see these people yeah i know that you would probably rather have paulo yama lon harris you know these people out there in the singles tournament and and yeah that we probably will see see at least paul or lon like there, there probably still will be a one or two big names yeah, so Sabrina, that's another person from uh, the the Stock Exchange you could expect to see. And yeah, maybe Riley will get in there because like Riley Roka, will play. Pearl, Bateman right. are Riley not going to be play. playing, right? Yeah, I, he probably will, honestly. Uh, but you know, I, I think you have the the same question when you really look at all of the faction rosters. Like, who are the four going to be? Like, it's probably not going to just be like the top four people. Maybe like you're probably going to see people from further down in the rosters getting their opportunities here whether the managers necessarily want that or not i just think that that's the way that this is going to play out yeah may, maybe but i also think that the way that this whole system is structured especially with your you're only retaining three or whatever the number is right now players per year you've got no reason to play your your like number eight nine ten spots on your roster like there's no reason whatsoever you're not cultivating a team they're not going to be on your team next year it just doesn't matter like you, there's no reason to play them and so i think that there are some interesting choices within certain factions because you have Merle, Roca, and Bateman all probably not playing in the tournament. There was some rumor, or not, I shouldn't say rumor, there was some speculation about whether or not Christian would exempt players. So like even Roca and Bateman and Guy and Kalinowski, they could all still play in the tournament and they would not lose these separate opportunities. There was some speculation on backstage about whether or not that, that might be true or not. I don't know whether it is. Um, in the past, that wouldn't have been true. Like if you're playing outside the tournament, you're, you're not playing in the tournament. Because um, I, I think that it would be interesting to to see people deeper on the faction. Like I definitely think that Riley and Barbarian are for sure. Sabrina, I agree with. I like Gray Drake versus Cody is an interesting conversation. Uh, if you're talking about the Finstock Exchange, I think you'd probably go with Gray, Gray Drake, honestly, because I don't think either of them are studying. And Gray Drake probably has a little bit of a better track record. Overall, but I think you can make an argument. Cody's way. the fan favorite, though, too, which is you know, is another consideration. I think that's a consideration, but in a tournament, it doesn't really matter whether you're a fan favorite or not. It, that's true in regular matches. Yeah, like, I, absolutely. I just mean, like from, from Christian's perspective, right? Like he, he, he. I think he will have some say in this, and he might be like, "Yeah, hey, I think like, he shouldn't." Though I, I, I would feel really weird yeah, about that but, if he had say over what, like, what players get into the tournament from factions. Like, maybe that might be true. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I just think that I'd be a little bit uncomfortable with that. Just from a if the if the point of the league is to have this like faction autonomy and and have a true league where it's competitive, like you can't really tell factions what players to play. I don't think. But anyway, I, I think that some factions it's a little bit clearer than others because of these dynamics that you're talking about. I think with swag, like they're crazy not to play Lon and Paul and Liz Shannon Miller. Like I don't know in what world those aren't like your top three players going into the singles tournament. But because because the roster is so deep and and because we're asking for four players, like is your fourth player Frank Moran that you picked up? Is it Josh McCuga because he's a fan favorite and you want to win like bonus points for putting Josh McCuga into the league? Is it RB3? Is it Sean Gerber who you picked up? Like these are all great questions. I don't know. Yeah. I think there's like two, two or three people per faction for sure. But the fourth is like up for grabs. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see who gets picked uh, to throw in there. And overall, I'm excited to see the the depth in the singles tournament. You're going you're to get some chances for some real upsets. It's going to feel like a tournament. 
right? Like it's going to feel like a, like a March Madness, you know, 68, I mean, in the case of March Madness, 68 person or 68 team bracket here where you have some people who are like, there's no way that freaking, you know, I don't know, Gray Drake is going to, is going to beat, uh, I don't know, Paulo Yama. But all of a sudden there's the situation where she's like going down to the wire with him and maybe they get, you get a 16, one upset like that. I don't know. It'd be really cool. It's going to be cool yeah, to see that deck. I just think my, my whole point is I think you lose a little bit of intrigue and interest in, you know, the depth of the rosters and free agency and all of this. If these players never actually play, right? Like if, if yeah, Sean Gerber and Frank Moran don't end up playing a single match, like next year when the free agency period comes around and people are signing people right at the deadline, I think fans are going to be like, who cares? Like these players aren't going to play They're They're like, there's, I, I, I lose interest in like this whole new aspect of the showdown when it seems like there's really no stakes to what it, what is happening because these players may never actually get in a match. So uh, that's why I think, yeah, yeah, maybe Christian shouldn't have a say in it, but I do wonder if he will kind of nudge managers towards, Hey, let's just for, for the good of the game, right. For the, for the good of the order, let's, let's try to get everybody a match out here so that we can, we can kind of, keep the keep up the notion that every draft pick every signing every you know every transaction that happens in this league actually matters but you i mean like i I get what you're saying there and i think that is generally true but like there's no sport where like every single roster spot matters like there's just no sport where it's true um and maybe but some of them need to sure but i think in most situations we're going six seven draft picks down people's rosters to select the, you know, whether it's, you know, maybe not your, your number one seed out of a, out of a faction for the singles tournament. But I mean, I think we, we just talked about how like Sabrina and Frank Moran are like probably going to play in the singles tournament. Like maybe, maybe not. I don't know. And it's not my say on it. Like, obviously, but like, are, like those people are like probably in consideration. Like I think Doug Benson is in consideration, for example, for being in the singles tournament yes. for, for the usual suspects. Like, I think you're going to see like that was the point of making such a large singles tournament and like ultimately I think you do have to leave it up to the to the factions like are you, like if you flip the shoes here and you say like you have a inner geek tournament like this are you going to tell someone that you can't play Robert Parker because we just really need to get everyone in on the rosters like you got to you got to go all the way down and and get everyone well, in here yeah. when we got off the, and, off and the that's way that's not what I'm seeing that's not what I'm suggesting. Well, that's Again, what you're I saying with he, Paul and Lon. You're saying like you don't know whether Christian will want to, to allow both of them play in the singles tournament. Well, I, yeah, I'm saying you should allow, you know, one of them for sure. Um, like I, I think it, the the Robert Parker situation is not exactly what I'm saying because I think in every circumstance, yes, you should allow them to put Robert Parker out there. I'm just saying if it's a question between like Lon Harris, maybe your your second player um and you know uh sean gerber or something maybe you want sean gerber that that that's that's all i'm suggesting but um yeah i mean you're right not not every move matters but uh it would be nice to to see some of these players get their due you know we we saw all of their interviews about like yeah i'm excited to play blah 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 blah, blah. um i think that this would be a good opportunity for them but that doesn't mean it's going to happen yeah, I just don't think the tournament is for that, right? Like, I agree with what you're saying that, like, take COVID away and you have matches that aren't that aren't tournament matches, like something like a um, Kevin Smith and a Chris Jericho match. Like, those guys should not be in the singles tournament, but they should definitely play a match. Like, you should like that match should happen. Like, and you should set these matches up. Like, like I, I just think that in, in a tournament setting, if if you're 
Winston Marshall looking at swag, like you're going to put your four best play, like who you think your four best players are. Now, whether that's someone you picked up on the on the wave, like uh, on the free agency, I don't know, like Molly, Molly Damon sliding into the Star Wars tournament, like obvious choice there. You put her in, you, you press go. It's just like, I don't think that every person who gets picked up at a free agency like needs to get a match. I don't think that every 10th round yeah, draft pick needs to, get, needs to get a match. And if the solution, if that's a problem in Christian's mind, then you need to like change the size of the rosters then, mm-hmm. right? Like you just need to shrink the rosters down. But I think 10 people is fine and not everyone's going to play like the team. Like some people are like Sean Gerber, for example, I think is more designed for a team's tournament than a singles tournament anyway. And like, can you find someone to pair him with for a team's tournament? Like I know the team's tournament is going to be whack this year because it's going to be all in, like they can't do it over StreamYard and it's probably going to be a super small tournament. Like you're only going to get one or two teams probably per faction in and so you're just not going to get that that depth that you maybe expect in a different year but the point is is that i just don't think the tournament format is is to get all of your free agency picks out there it's like if you want those picks to happen like and maybe this will happen like maybe you have the singles tournament happening simultaneously you're doing two matches a week there and then you have this more like i don't know fun like like put brett sheridan in you know, put Chris Jericho and Kevin Smith in these matches that maybe air live on Twitch on Wednesday, like in the Star Wars show. I think that's the way you get the extra matches in, right? I don't know if it's forcing people to put, you know, uh, XYZ people deep down your roster into the tournament just just because you have them and, and we want to keep up the, you know, I don't know, uh, idea that every 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 move matters and you need to stay like intimately plugged in without all the free agency and trade moves the Schmodown has. I mean, I think the reality is we'll see a little bit of both, right? I, th- I think we will see some factions that, yeah, maybe have their three or four strongest players out there. We may also see some factions that go a little bit deeper down the roster and and do give a shot. Because, I mean, like Frank Moran, like I, I don't think we're talking about a slouch here, right? Like we, we don't know what the guy really can do. Like we've seen that in, in the free-for-all. Yeah, um, totally. He put in, he put in a, re- a really solid performance. Just, I mean, yes, he's far down the roster, but I, I don't know that he's... Yeah. Frank Moran, Frank he's Moran's not a example. Yeah. Take, take Adam, who we had on the podcast. Like, is Adam Collins going to play a match this year? He absolutely, 100%. If, unless corruption, unless Shannon is stupid, then Adam needs to be in the singles tournament. Like, yeah, because he, but, could, but look, he, could, chance, he could win Mike, the singles tournament. Mark Hoyk, like... I'm just saying, like, your spots disappear quickly. Like, you're probably not going to put Dewberry in. I don't know, like, if you put Dewberry in or not. But, like, you go down that roster well, list, if, there's a ton of people who haven't played a match. Like, yeah. What'd you say? We don't know if Mike's going to be in it, right? Because he does have the match with, sure. with Guy. Um, and so that, that, I'm just saying, like, it's not clear to me that Adam Collins is a top four singles player on that faction. Like, you know you know him better than I do. Like, I, I don't know yeah. him that well. I'm just saying, like, I can see a world where you don't pick Adam Collins in your top four singles players if you have everyone available. Yeah, I mean, I think that he is better than James or, I mean, he might be better than Hoyk. I, I don't know. But I, I think that he, again, like I said, I think Shannon's dumb. It's Who's James? Throw him out there. Isn't that who you said? James? No. Well, James James White, is he on corruption? No, oh, no, no he's on the he's on the den. You said Chance. Sorry. I, I, meant, yeah. I meant what you said. But yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. You would expect him to be in there. I don't know about uh, Mike. But I think that Adam, again, I'll say it one last time. They'll be dumb if they don't put him out there because he could legitimately yeah. win the entire tournament. Um, I agree, but I'm just saying, like, you go back and look at Corruption's roster. Like, there's other players you have, like Marisol McKee hasn't played a match. Rick Ramos yeah, hasn't played a match. No, like, when, Marisol, when are these people going to play matches? Like, Marisol is definitely a consideration as well, and 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 that's again, this is maybe just me biased as a fan. Like, I would rather see Marisol and Adam and Mark Hoyk play than I would 
you know, see chance play over one of them, honestly, like that, that that's how I feel at this point, because I think these people are, are unknowns and, and all three of those people who I just named could go, could make really deep runs in the tournament. So, um, but I understand not everyone is going to feel that way, but anyway, yeah. we've rambled on long enough, Scott. Um, yeah. I think that it's time to, to call it a night for, for this episode of, of champs lunch. Thank you all for joining us uh, in the chat. Don't forget to check out our podcast feed. Uh, some like it, Scott feed on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can find champs lunch in that feed. You can find our Nolan series that we're doing. We're almost finished with that. Um, you can find our normal podcasts. Unlike it's Scott, which we're doing every week. We're coming up on our hundredth episode. We're going to be doing our top 10 favorite movies of all time. So it's going to be a big one. Check out our podcast feed there. Also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash media plug pods. Check out feature presentations uh, where you are watching this video right now. We, they've got a lot of great stuff going on here on the channel. Um, Sunday, 5 p.m., the uh, the weekly trivia match. Next week, uh, Tuesday, I believe, uh, Aaron Jay has been doing his doing the favorite film show, which has been really fun. Uh, Video Drew and The Barbarian and Paul were all on this week, um, and that's going to be continuing next Tuesday. Um, and also on Wednesday, Fantasy Film Fights. Um, so great, great stuff here on the channel. Um, check out all of it. And we'll be back soon, maybe in a couple of weeks. Uh, like I said, we do have a couple of guests uh, who we are looking to get on pretty soon in the future. Um, and so maybe depending on their availability, but you know, just, just look out on the socials for, for a post on, on Fridays. Um, we'll, we'll put the feelers out there when, um, when, uh, you know, when we decide to do another episode, um, before we go, I do think it is worth talking about what Leo briefly brought up here, um, uh, about the team's matches. We were a little surprised about this, that the pride was going straight to the number one contender match. Christian did explain it as like, Hey, we're um, not going straight to number one contender. Right, right. Oh yes. Yeah. Sorry. That was our, that was the misunderstanding from a tweet that we saw first, but, yeah. um, winner playing who's the boss for that number one contender, but deep 13 and final exam basically being taken out of the picture mainly because Paul, uh, isn't really able to travel because uh, he lives in Hawaii and flying early as possible with the COVID stuff and everything that's going on right now. So, um, you know, a deep 13 will, will get a high seed in the tournament is what Christian suggested. I think this is probably the fairest result probably makes sense. I think Shazam's probably going to wipe the floor with the pride if we're being quite honest. Um, and I'd then be you really know, surprised Shazam, if they the didn't. Be good. Uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be yeah. really surprised. Like I think Ben Goddard is, is showing that he's like definitely a rookie of the year candidate all year i also think that he hasn't played anyone good yet and so yeah look he i think uh, he's still strong like it takes a lot of quality to win your first four is it, i think four matches to start his career in three different divisions like respect dude like even even other uh like previous rookies like you're not you're not seeing that sort of like breadth of quality along at the same time i don't think he's played anyone worth their salt yet um, and so I think that the first real test coming up here for him, uh, in Shazam. And I think that you'll also have a real test coming up with Robert Parker, obviously next week. So I think we're going to see what, what, uh, Ben Goddard and obviously the pride as a team is going to be made of playing, playing against Shazam. And we'll see if ring rust is a thing for the kid and the beast. Cause they haven't played since, uh, the three way, uh, in New York that they had with Dan, where Dan just edged them out 26, 25, 24. So. We'll see if they if Brendan Meyer has been locked in his Canadian basement studying movies for the last few months or uh, if movie trivia has left his mind.
Yeah. Uh, all right. There you go. That that'll do it for for this episode of Some Like It uh, for, of Some Like It Scott. A chance lunch. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was in the zone there. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Thank you.